your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Welcome back, Jeff Albert. We're thrilled to have Woo! you here in St. Louis. <laughs> Happy Jeff Albert Day, everybody. He's back. <laughs> it's raining. It's my. It's a perfect Jeff Albert Day. So, if you no, missed the news God! yesterday. <laughs> no, God, please, no, 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 yep. no. No, it's true. It is. It is indeed true. Uh, Jeff Albert is officially back here in St. Louis. Uh, The Cardinals have decided to retain all of their coaches for next season. That obviously does include (laughs) throwing things now. The hitting coach, Jeff Albert. They are all in on his philosophy. He is not only your hitting coach, he is your hitting coordinator, which means your entire system is overseen by one Jeff Albert for last year, the year before, and for the upcoming There's season There's a positive well. to all this, though. Ah, uh, Rosarena. I- you won't have to spend as much money on bats. Good point. And when you don't make contact, they, so you don't break them. They last longer. And you're going to work the pitcher a lot. Going to get that pitch count high. So, yeah, because teams usually go with one pitcher these days. That's true. They don't have a bullpen. Yeah, there's there's only one allowed in games. Not a whole lot of guys coming out of that pin throwing 100 either. No. Um, so, <laughs> let's react to the news now. Because the news we yesterday. I know. That's just what we did. <laughs> Whoops. The news yesterday came out, and I think everybody was like, okay, yeah, like this is this is where we all saw this going. It was going to happen, and we were just, it, it almost felt inevitable, given the offseason that we're about to endure. So here's here's where I think whenever the Cardinals do have their end of season presser, and I would imagine that will come either sometime later this week or next week whenever we hear from John Mosaloc. My guess is they will tell you one of two things. They will say either the COVID layoff in this strange 60-game season was the explanation slash, slash excuse for the lack of offensive production this year. Or, and they won't say this, but they will indicate it based on their moves 
the players were the problem. We didn't have good enough players last year. Jeff Albert was not the issue. The players were, and we need to improve the offense. Mm. I need to redo that. I don't think that'll happen. They're now, not going to throw blame on the players. Oh, they will, I think they will this time. They won't say it's it called publicly. saving your job. Yeah, they, they will not say it publicly. Yeah, like when we're bad, I blame you, Alex. I blame me most of the time, too. <laughs> what they will do is they will show us this based on their actions. And that would require, and this is why I don't think it'll be that. I think it's going to be the former, not the latter. Well, the wait, reason why what? I don't think it's going to be First them one. blaming oh, the players is because then they would have to go make other moves. Right. They would have to go spend money. And so I think the company line this offseason is going to be, listen, we had COVID. That was an outbreak on the team. We were shut down for two weeks. It was a very difficult season for everybody. And ours was made even more difficult by our own peculiar circumstances. So, Jamie, if I had to guess what we're going to hear a lot of this offseason is, hey, I know we just saw it from Tyler O'Neill, but we believe he can be better. Dylan Carlson is going to take a step. We're going to see something better from Paul DeYoung because he's not going to be impacted by the after effects of COVID. We're going to see the best possible version of Paul Goldschmidt. We believe that internally we have the guys in this clubhouse to be a better team in 2021. All right. I got a couple things I, I want to get off my chest. One, Paul DeYoung got worse two years ago, two at the second half of the season, didn't have COVID that year. So I don't know what we're going to think about that. Uh, Tyler O'Neill was given plenty of opportunity to seize the moment. In fact, probably gave him too many chances at the end of the day. Dylan Carlson, well, that's going to trend upward on its own naturally. You could have me as the hitting coach and it's not going to matter. He's going to get better as we move forward. Correct. Now, um, I did Paul Goldschmidt. Well, how does this work? Because Paul Goldschmidt just had his best season as a St. Louis Cardinal. So the year before, whose fault was it? Or was it COVID the year before? I'm lost right now. Well, you yep. had two hitting coaches the year before. So oh, there that's was right. We had signals. some guy named Buddha that yeah. nobody liked, right? Oh, wait, no, they did like him. Yep. So um, where I'm headed with this is I think a week ago, I told you that this was going to happen. Or I, I didn't tell you. My opinion was that I, I thought they'd bring him back for a year saying, you know why it was weird circumstances can't really grade this because we don't have a full body of work. We don't know what the actual outcome would have been in 162 games. I'm more interested to see how many years he gets. Because I th- I predicted that Mo would give him one more year. They're not going to say it publicly. This will be the year. Yeah. One year. It's the bridge gap. It's yep. it's the 2020 to 2022 season. It's the bridge year for the entire roster. My question then, guys, is how much is he going to accomplish? Right now, they're not allowed to gather as it is to do stuff because we still have restrictions. And then next season, we don't even know what that's going to look like. So I I think that we could see this for a couple of seasons. Based, if this is the criteria they're using of unique circumstances and it's not Jeff Albert's fault or his staff's fault because they didn't have access to the players all the time. The video wasn't the same. We couldn't do this. Well, who's to say it's not going to be the same thing next year? This is all going to be blamed on COVID. Uh, I, fr- I truly believe. I still have seen, yet to see COVID strike out. It's, it's nice. It's all going to come back to that. They're not going to blame the players because then, as you mentioned, BK, then you have to go out and get George Springer. Then you have to turn over the roster. It's not going to happen. This, to me, was the 2021 is going to be a, so to speak, wash. Not so much and we don't care what the outcome is. It's everyone's cutting prices. We are going to be the most effective team in the NL Central because everyone else is going to be affected. We have players that can be on this roster next year that can be effective. Excitement's around. We'll know what we have. 2021 is going to be 
let's see what happens. I agree with him. I don't agree with the decision. No. I don't I don't believe in what they're going to sell. I'm not. I, I think they need I and I'm probably the highest on this team of the three of us in this room. I think they're closer than you guys seem to. And so I, I, if they if they sold me this year was worse because of the pandemic and because of everything that ensued as a result of that. And we understand that we also still have to take some steps. And so they go out and sign free agent X and they bring in bounce back candidate Y going into next season. Okay. I'll believe it. I'll buy into it. But if they simply do the, the pandemic was bad, it hurt us and we're going to try to run this thing back next year. I'm not buying what they're selling on that. I did find this line and this was all reported yesterday by Derek Gould of the St. Louis post dispatch. I found this line in a story to be really interesting. Jamie, he said that the Cardinals did evaluate Schultz coaching staff and discuss the benefit of introducing at least a new voice in the batting cage. Albert and his assistant will remain in the lead, though the team could flank them with other resources for hitters. That is interesting because that's something we've been talking a lot about in recent weeks. It's possible that what Jeff Albert is teaching is actually not the incorrect thing. It's possible that his teachings, his philosophies are the very right thing. The problem is the way that it is being implemented once it gets onto the field. These guys are locked up. They're thinking about too much. And so if you do have somebody that's with him that is able to coach it a little bit better where the players grasp it, they get it, they're able to implement it into their games easier, well, then, okay, maybe that can work. But you got to find that guy or those guys or those people to be able to implement whatever that philosophy is once you get onto the field. Because right now, if it is the right one, it's not being implemented the correct way. So BT said something really interesting yesterday, and I couldn't agree more with what he said. It was awesome. Is He said, you know what? It's great to have a team philosophy of hitting, but it's just like school, right? Each kid learns it a different way. Not every kid retains information the same exact way. So when you're teaching a hit, philosophy if you've got a guy who is not quite understanding it or it's absolutely against everything he's naturally been doing for his entire life so far or his career then that's going to be a struggle you're going to get a player who is locked up at the plate not really sure that's where this extra set of eyes or two extra sets of eyes come into now individualize it right because baseball as much as it's a team sport it's individuals playing on a team so when the guy gets up to plate Jesus, BK, you all right there? Good. He's throwing his headphones all over. He's Way angry. To go, Jeff I'm very upset today. He's angry. Way to go. Anyways, you get different guys up there that retain different things. Yeah. So if you have Harrison Bader that thinks about hitting one way and you're locking him up with this other philosophy, well, maybe there's a middle ground to where you can explain it to Harrison Bader a little differently. I think that's the problem right now is you have this blanket philosophy and it's like figure it out to the guys where I think that certain guys would need different approaches to each at bat. The Air Comfort Service text line 6578 was going to destroy me on this one, but I will defend Jeff Albert a little bit a little oh bit boy. here. I Do you remember a few years back, TJ Oshie with Ken Hitchcock, he talked about information overload. Mm-hmm. Everyone lost their mind. Like, what are you talking about information overload? I do think there's a little bit of that with the hitters and Jeff Albert, yeah. because if you think about it, you had a partial season of Jeff Albert and Buddha, Budaska. Two guys working different methods with these players. Buddha gets the boot, 
Then Jeff Albert takes over. Well I like played. that. I know you like that. that was well played. Bud, uh, um, Jeff Albert only has half of a season to work with these guys. Then you go into this season where you had spring training, yes, but then it was shut down. There was no face-to-face work with these guys. There was no video work with these guys. It was a matter of, hey, this is what you're going to be doing. Move forward. I do think that there was a lot thrown at these players in a very little amount of time to sit and actually work on this with the players. Yeah, and I also think it comes down to how is it being spoken to them? How is it being coached to them? Jamie, you work with people from the youth levels all the way up to the highest of levels when it comes to hockey. And so you've certainly seen this firsthand. You coach different players differently, not only based on their age, but based on their skill level, based on their aptitude for their learning of that particular style. Like sometimes you got to involve the numbers. Other guys hate hearing about the numbers and it's just mumbo jumbo nonsense to them. And so instead of saying, hey, the spin rate's coming at you this way, coach them on how it's going to look when it's coming at them. Don't tell them it's a 3,000 RPM spin rate. <laughs> tell them, hey, when the curveball comes at you, you're looking for it high and inside. That's where you want to hit it. Guys can understand that. There are certain guys that if they visualize it that way, they'll get it. Other guys, like maybe uh, Paul Goldschmidt, really does understand all of the analytical things. Well, then just give him it that way. But you've got to learn, okay, how do I teach individuals to get the most out of them? How are they going to be able to understand this? Otherwise, you're just losing them and you're not actually accomplishing anything by continuing to coach them the other way. And one thing, too, is each player, as you're coaching them, it's your job as the coach to look at their eyes. When their eyes light up, that means they've understood what you said. And at that point, you have to put that in your memory bank and go, "Okay, what I just said right now, just registered with this player. And that may not work for every player. But that's why the individual coaching is so important, especially in baseball is you have to see those guys, that guy's eyes light up. And when they do, now you know you're speaking his language. And at that point is when you can improve him. He's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's 1115. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up at 1215, we'll be joined by our guy Jeremy Rutherford. Very excited for Nick Swisher, former baseball player, World Swiss Series Daddy. champion. He's going to join us coming up at 115. But coming up next... This Cardinals offseason is about to hit us a hell of a lot quicker than I expected. I'll tell you why coming up next on 101 ESPN. The best is yet to come. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. At this stage in 2021, he's not a $12.5 million a year player. Gold gloves just don't, especially gold gloves at second base, they don't hold that much sway anymore. The Reds gave Mike Moustakis $12 million to play second base. It's just not a very important position with shifting, and it's more of an offensive position than a defensive position. Wonger had a 675 OPS in 2020. I just don't don't think that as good of a guy as he is, his production lives up to the $12.5 million. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. That was Randy Carricker on Carricker and Smallman a couple of weeks ago talking about how he doesn't think Colton Wong is necessarily worth the $12.5 million team option that he is potentially up for next year. And Jamie, how about this? I was unaware of this until I read it from Derek Gould earlier today. Oh, Gould, he's on fire lately. 
Uh, the decision on the staff is the first of several greeting the Cardinals once the offseason officially begins this week. Within 24 hours of the end of the World Series, the Cardinals must make a decision on the $12.5 million team option for second baseman Colton Wong, end quote. Again, that reporting coming from Derek Gould. You didn't know that? 24 hours? You weren't aware of that? No. Neither was I. This time tomorrow, we might know whether or not Colton Wong is going to be back for next season. Well, they already know it was a front office. I know, but I'm saying we might know. Well, and first off, why do you hate the Tampa Bay Rays, BK? I'm hearing that too. Worst Alex. case scenario, we will know by the end of the week if Colton Wong is going to be back on his team option. So in all seriousness, season. is that because of this weird season or is that the norm when it comes to the options? Because I don't recall this. That that like a five day period yeah. typically, but it that is really quick. And I, you're right, Jamie. They already know. Internally, they know just like they probably know what their exact number Heck, is. Colton Wong Wayno. probably already knows. Probably. Just like for Wayno and uh, and Yachty, they probably know internally what the number is that they're looking to bring them back at or if they're looking to bring them back. They know all of these things. We don't. And so why I found this to be really interesting is this is kind of the first domino to fall. We we now know about the coaching staff. They're all going to be back next year. That was kind of the expectation going into this offseason. This is the first real one. And to me, guys, I think this signifies the the trajectory of what the offseason is going to be, because there's no reason other than money not to bring back Colton Wong. He's a part of your identity. He's a really good player. He's your leadoff hitter right now. He helps you win. You are better with Colton Wong than you are by removing Wong from the roster. The only, the only reason why the Cardinals would not bring Colton Wong back next year is because of money. Now, that may be a fair explanation as to why they're going to do it, but that would be the only reason. So if they decide not to bring him back and we find that out this week, I think it tells us that we should not be expecting anything of substance when it comes to them adding payroll this offseason. Yeah, um, I agree. Actually, I think it is a tell. If we're playing poker right now, if if they decide to walk on Colton Wong, being that it's 12.5, it'd be 11.5 because there's a $1 million, a million buyout. Dollar yep. penalty buyout, whatever it is, right? But then do you think at all that they'd use that money to try and go get Springer or somebody? I always just use his name or a player of that ilk. I don't think so. Remember like, it's, only half to, of the, it's only half of the price tag, whatever you're see, using See, that's there. my tell. I mean, if they stick with Wong, it's it's ride the storm out. It's the same team this year as it's going to be next year, and that was kind of a tell with the Jeff Albert. But if they go the other way with Colton Wong, to me, that's a tell of we need to make an upgrade somewhere else. We have Tommy Edmond can shift over, Matt Carpenter can play third, or somebody else is out there. To me, no Wong means we have to upgrade somewhere else offensively, okay, and so there's our finances. That's how you're seeing it, yeah. is that if they keep Colton Wong, it's going to be status quo status for the rest quo. of the yeah. lineup. That's not a bad take actually Alex well done I, I get it um I, I view it the opposite direction right where I I kind of view it as if they decide to bring Colton Wong it signifies to me because it's probably a bit of an overpay He's probably making a little bit more than he should next year at twelve and a half million. And maybe they decide we're going to pick up the option and we want to negotiate off of that to potentially extend Colton Wong down the road. We want to keep him here for three years at instead of twelve and a half million dollars this upcoming year. Maybe it's three years, twenty five million dollars total over the course of that deal. I could see them doing that as well. But if they decide to keep him. 
You're keeping him because you want to improve this roster, I would think. I could be wrong here, Alex. You very well may be looking at this the correct way. But if they decide to let him walk for that money, it it tells me everything I need to know about this offseason. So you think if he walks, if they let him walk, that they're just going to, going to be like budget shopping this yes. year? Yes. If, huh. they, if they let him walk, I think it signifies to me that the best case scenario for the offseason is maybe they bring back Wayno and Yachty. God, maybe. I'm, I'm, and I'm not sure they would if they decide to let Colton Wong walk as well. I'm torn on this one because I actually agree with both of you. Which well, that's is, not allowed here. I know. Ribs, um, geez. <laughs> hey, uh, okay, so here's the direction I will go in. I'll, I will... I will go with the fact that I think that if they sign Colton Wong, that's it. That will be, an, to me, that's an indicator that they're going to overpay for a player if it's at that 12-5. Okay, if it stays at that. If they do what you're suggesting, BK, the and extension. offer him a two- or three-year extension, which is you know at a pay cut or lower than $12.5 million, then yes, they might be sniffing around looking for a player. It won't be a George Springer. It'll be a project player. It'll be someone who needs a rebound, like you mentioned earlier. So, uh, But otherwise, I think if they sign Colton Wong, to me, that's a tell that that's it. I think they're going to ride it out if that's the case. Yeah, especially when, I mean, you guys, it's the mentality of the Cardinals, right? It's working the pitch count. It's getting on base. It's running. It's defense first. It's it's backing up your pitching staff. If you walk away from Colton Wong, then you're basically saying, well, we think that we can put somebody else over here to be better. But it, in all honesty, it's a back-to-back possible gold glove winner. And you're not going to get better than that for $12.5 million or whatever it is. The bat may not be there, but look, frankly, nobody's bat is there right yeah. now. If you keep Colton Wong, it's you're going the status quo. It's the same as Jeff Albert, right? If it's a one-year deal, you're looking at it as, well, we're going to stick with this for one more year and see if it plays out before we do the major overhaul. But if you go another way with Colton Wong and you say, well, Tommy Edmonds, the cheaper option here, we can play Matt Carpenter here. To me, it screams we need to upgrade the bat elsewhere. And a lot of this will be what Mo says about the offense. So 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. Second baseman shouldn't make that much money. It's a throwaway position. So here's part- is it a throwaway position when you have Colton Wong, who's so good defensively and your team philosophy is defense? If he's back to back gold gloves. That is not throwaway money. It's not a throwaway position. It has been devalued compared to what it previously was because there are the shifts is a big part of that. And that's that's one thing. And he's just not a great hitter. And so I do understand if you're going to pay a guy at that position, big time money. Typically, it's for a player that is going to get you big time production at the plate. Robinson Cano, Jose Altuva. Those are the types of players that typically get paid at that position. They're also making way more than Colton Wong. I mean, those guys are making 24 and $23 million respectively. Which is absurd. DJ LeMayhew is right around the same right now as Colton Wong. DJ LeMayhew is going to, after this year, make more than Colton Wong. He'll probably get 15 to 18, somewhere in that range. But it offsets because DJ LeMayhew is an average defender, but he's got an above-average bat. Colton Wong is a elite level defender with an average bat and I think that elite level defender is the mentality of the Cardinals so at 12 and a half million dollars it's valued on another team not great for the Cardinals that's right around what the value should be for that yeah and typically you don't want to pay for defense but here I mean if you don't have your defense slash pitching identity 
Well, then what do you have? Right. It'd be like if you've got an NFL team that their entire identity. Hell, let's go to the Cowboys, right? We'll talk about them oh, a little bit later oh, today. Oh, do you really want to go there? If, if you're the Cowboys mm. and your entire identity as a team is the fact that you're going to score a million points this year. You drafted a wide receiver in the first round when you needed anything but a wide receiver in the first round. So your mentality this year is we're going to outscore everybody. And your quarterback goes down. He's out for the year. And your offensive line is hurt. A lot of them are out for the year. Well, you no longer have an identity. Now you're just a team that stinks. Well, if the Cardinals go into next year and they don't improve the lineup and they allow their defense to get worse, potentially by not bringing back Colton Wong and not bringing back Yadier Molina, and they allow their pitching staff to get worse because Dakota Hudson's going to be out all of next year and Adam Wainwright might not be back. Well, then what is this team? What do they do well if they allow all of that to happen for the monetary reasons? The answer is nothing. That that really is the answer. And so my big concern going into this offseason, Jamie, the downside of it is massive. If they decide to let all of these guys walk that we've been talking about, Wong, Yachty, and Wayno, you have no identity going into next year. There is no reason to believe that there's going to be a bunch of young guys that are going to come in and take the league by storm. The hope isn't there. Suddenly, next year, for the first time really in St. Louis, if those guys are not back, apathy could actually set in. That is the first time when I think that would potentially be real. Because right now, Cardinals fans are upset. They're frustrated. They are disappointed for the last three or four years. Oh, but we signed Jeff Albert. If next year they don't bring back those guys, you have no identity, you have no reason for hope, that's when apathy sets in. And that is the worst case scenario for this front office. They care about 90 wins and $3.4 million in the, million in the stands. Next year, they would hit neither of those goals, both because of the pandemic and because people would suddenly be a whole hell of a lot less interested in watching this baseball team. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Let's play a game of bet it or forget it. Coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Who's making me very upset during these breaks? That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. I know it may sound sometimes like we don't like each other. We really do. We are friends. Yes, we are. We uh, we talk a lot. I talk to these two more than I talk to my fiance sometimes. Yes. Well, you get yourself in hot water sometimes. Yeah. And by default, we end up uh, being the children crying, but that's okay. It's fine. I'm here for you, man. It's perfectly acceptable. So let's play a game of bet it or forget it. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. Bet it or forget it, boys. After last night's loss, where during the game, Brian Greasy, who was one of the analysts on the game, says on national television, hey, Nick Foles sometimes tells Matt Nagy, I don't have time to run the play that you just <laughs> asked me to run because their offensive line is so bad. Better to forget it. The Bears are going to miss the playoffs, despite the fact that they are starting the year five and two. Oh, that's a tough one. They got quite a head start on this one. Um, let's see here. Last night was ugly. And again, that's a team that I thought has been smoking mirrors. Are you talking about the Rams or the Bears? Uh, the Bears. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, much like, it could apply to either. Yes. Yeah, you're right. No, much like the Tennessee Titans, that will unfold itself as it is. But uh, yeah, the Bears. The problem is that the NFC East is just so bad that you almost look at it and go, the Bears have to make it at this point. So I'm going to... 
What was it again? Bet it or forget, <laughs> it? Or forget it. The Bears will not make the playoffs this <laughs> will year. Will not make it? Will not make it. Now, I'm going to forget that. I think they make the playoffs just by default because some of these other teams are so awful. You can't have three teams from one division, can you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I mean, you, every division gets a winner that yeah. gets in automatically, and then there are three wildcard teams this year that can come from any division that are not in at least first place in their division. Okay. You know what, then? I'm going to uh, bet it because as I look at the Saints, <laughs> And Seahawks Rams, Lions, and Tigers and forever. Oh my! All right, yeah, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna bet that. I don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm lost. He doesn't know where he Go is ahead, right Mario. now. I'm betting this one as well. How the hell did Nick Foles win a Super Bowl over Tom Brady when he was at his best? Did you the see funny, the Philly special? It was terrible. Ah. The funny thing is, we all make it out like he was amazing in that playoff run. He was amazing in that Super Bowl. The playoff run, he was not all that great. Right. And so we were. Remember the final thing that we saw, which was him legitimately outdueling Tom Brady in a shootout in the Super Bowl, which is incredible to me because watching 100%. that yesterday, I mean, he's getting challenged nonstop. He's getting rushed and he's just throwing footballs downfield where nobody is around this guy. I mean, he's not good. He's under siege, though, too. Let's just be honest. Every play. Now, but, I know it's the Rams and Aaron Donald and they got a great front line there, but. He did. He never looked comfortable. He looked like I call it hot feet, right? Where <laughs> as soon as he put, takes the snap, all of a sudden the feet are going like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" The same thing we've said about other coaches in the NFL. Like, why is this guy a head coach? Maybe he's a better offensive coordinator. That's well, obviously not to me. if he can't get the plays called did, properly. Did I see that correctly last night on a fourth and one? They used a wide receiver to block. Well, Aaron you gotta Donald? understand when you've got a wide receiver that's like six one hundred and eighty pounds, you've got to use him to block the. 6'3", 265-pound defensive end. The most ferocious defender in the NFL. What are we doing, Nagy? Yeah. Yeah. Not good. I liked it, it, actually, guys. I'm I'm betting. I liked the play call. I really did because I had money on the Rams. Mm, That makes sense. You got the FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook app. No, I had money on the Bears. By the way, I hope you went on there and did our same game parlay. I told you to take all of the overs on the Rams. It's a nice little bet for you right there. All right, so I'm betting this as well. You're going to get one team from the NFC East. One team has to make it, un- uh-oh. unfortunately. Well, <laughs> unfortunately. You're going to get at least one team in the NFC North looking like the Packers right now. You're going to get, at a minimum, two coming out of the South, because I think the Bucks and the Saints are both playoff teams coming yeah. out of that division. And then it really comes down to the NFC West, because already with those three divisions, you're up to four playoff teams. If you can get three out of the NFC West, it essentially comes down to the Rams, Cardinals, and 49ers versus the Bears. Well, the five and two, the Rams, five and two, the Cardinals, the Bears are five and two. I know. So this is like a foot race. It's now. basically rest of season. Two of those three. Yeah. Yeah, out out of those four teams, you're going to get two of them into the postseason. So it it depends on how much faith you have in the NFC West and those teams. I think they're all better. I think the entire NFC West is better than the Chicago Bears. So I'm going to go ahead and bet it. Better to forget it, boys. Game six of the 2011 World Series is as good as it's going to get for Cardinals fans. I was listening to Joe Buck earlier today on the morning show. Fantastic interview, 101ESPN.com and the 101 ESPN app. Download that. can get it all there. Joe Buck was on with him. Here's what he had to say about game six. Baseball doesn't get any better. That's the beauty of this game. It's better than all the others when you when you see that kind of drama. Uh, with with individuals coming up, and it's a guy on the mound against a guy at the plate. 
made the made the better man win, and, and in that case, uh, the better man was David Freeze multiple times. Happy nine-year anniversary on this date in 2011. Cardinals win game six on this date in 2006. Cardinals win the World Series. Nice little day for Cardinals fans today to be able to remember some of the good days here in St. Louis. Better to forget it, sticking with game six. That is as good as it's ever going to get in an individual moment for Cardinals fans. Oh, yeah. That's the mountaintop. Absolutely. I mean, it's not, I don't even think it's close. We've had some other great moments. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. But when you, it's essentially the Pat Maroon effect here on this one, right? When you got David Freeze, local guy, who's a heck of a guy, by the way. He's a lot of fun. We got some mutual friends. He doesn't actually like me, but that's okay. Patty? Yeah, it makes sense. No, uh, David Freeze, great guy. Uh, but for him to come up with a huge triple and then to knock that thing out of the park here in St. Louis, I was watching it today on Twitter, it was posted everywhere, yeah. and I turned the volume way up on purpose because, like, I wanted to try and remember that, and I still got goosebumps watching it. To me, there's nothing you can compare to that. I'm sorry. There's been some great moments, but hometown kid being a hometown hero in on the biggest stage, it doesn't get better. For some reason, Mike Ryder must be a Red Sox fan because he keeps talking to my ear that apparently this is the anniversary of the Red Sox breaking the curse. I don't know why you're a Red Sox oh, fan, Ryder. But you betted on this one. Mike Ryder. What I know. the heck is wrong You betted on this one. Look, it, this is so funny to me because everyone remembers Game 6 from the World Series, right? Nobody remembers Game 7 that won it. You remember the moment in Game 6, just like in the Stanley Cup. People are going to remember the Pat Maroon goal more than they're going to remember who yep. scored the game winner against the Boston Bruins that in Game Petro. 7. I know it was Petro. I'll keep saying it. But it, it's one of those things that will never escape you, regardless if you're a St. Louis fan or not. Like, a baseball fan goes to Game 6 of the 2011 World Series because of that last couple of innings. I think that happens all over the place, though. Um, Like in Kansas City, for instance, just to kind of draw back on that, uh, the wild card game in 2014, when they came back in extra innings against the A's, that is remembered as fondly as them winning the World Series in 2015 because that was the moment when everything else seemed possible. And so I, I don't think it's all that strange that here in St. Louis, the moment you remember isn't actually the moment when you won the World Series. Yeah. This is what game four is going to be one of these. This year's World Series game four. Oh, yeah. If especially. But is it remember? Is it memorable only if the Rays win the World I was about Series? To say, yeah. Especially right. if the if the Rays end I up winning on it. His toes, my bad. It'll be remembered even more so. But no matter. I think no matter who wins that series it's going to be remembered as one of the all-time great world series moments and that's what made it so special for the cardinals is they had a special moment in game six ending that and then in game seven they came back the next night and won it so you have it you had everything come together for the perfect possible opportunity jamie bk wanted me to deliver this method message to you why are you the way that you are i hate so much about the things that you choose to be oh it's music to my ears it's not for me buddy it's from bk six five seven eight oh is the air comfort service text line for bet it or forget it all right jamie i know this is going to be difficult for you <laughs> bet it or forget it over a half over a half of a Super Bowl for Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. So they will win combined at least one Super Bowl in their career. One of them will at least win a Super Bowl in their career. Better to forget it, Jamie. Who pulled up this one? This is a BK special. Come on. Why don't you just write? They're both, one of them will win a Super Bowl. I just said that but to why be able to explain half? it a little further. I don't get over a half. That's how You're betting not works. that technical. It's okay. It's how betting works. Go ahead, you man. big dummy. Better to forget it. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, at least one of them will win a Super Bowl in their career. Oh, I bet it. 
I bet it. Those guys are too good, man. If this is their rookie season and a season where they didn't have the preparation really that they should have had, no, no preseason, no getting used to everything. I mean, if this is what we're scratching the surface on here, my God, they're going to be awesome. So, yeah, I will go. I'll bet it. I'll bet it, too, and I'll even bet that I, I think Joe Burrows wins it before Justin Herbert wins it. Joe Burrows wins it. Guys, just get used to it because it just comes out. He's going to be in the Burrow. league for a really long time, and you need, to, you need to pronounce his name You know name what I need to do? I need to use the possessive words after you Burrow. You don't even know what that no, means. No, I don't, but like Joe Burrow's. Yeah, it's, no. it's impossible. No, you're lost. Joe Burrow will win it. Oh, hey. What's your answer, Mr. I make up hard questions? Over a half. Under a half. Really? I think I'm going to take the under. So they're going to win a half a Super Bowl. I think they're not going to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> no, that would be right on. This is more of a this is more of a statement against their organizations than it is them. I think both of them are tremendous, tremendous young quarterbacks. I think the Chargers are going to be good, man. Dude, I've been saying that for 20 yeah. years. They don't know like, how to, they don't know how to form a championship caliber team. Why are you so negative today? What? You're just negative. I just said Game Six is one of the greatest memories in the history yeah, of the Yeah, but then you were like, man, but nobody remembers Game Seven. No, <laughs> I said that actually. Said that. I said that actually. <laughs> it's I, true though. I love Joe Burrow. I think Justin Herbert is so much better than I ever could have expected. He is Josh Allen, but accurate. Oh. Which, if if you just gave Josh Allen accuracy, you'd be like, holy uh, hell! He's what am not I as watching? much of a danger boy as Josh I, Allen. Like Josh fair. Allen will spin around backwards and throw it underhand to somebody. Take two. He can't find it. Justin, <laughs> Justin Herbert is Josh Allen, but with better decision making. There you go. Like, forget the accuracy. He's got good decision making. And that's that's the one thing that's missing from Josh Allen. So if you can get that from Herbert moving forward, oh boy. That offense is gonna be a lot of fun to watch. That being said, Jamie. Philip Rivers was one of the best quarterbacks in the league every year for 15 years. Yeah. And they were never able to get over the top despite having LaDainian Tomlinson and Antonio Gates and Keenan Allen and Melvin Ingram and Joe, Joey Bosa. Like they had all of these. Sean Merriman. Oh, yeah. Quentin Jamber. They had so many good players over the years and they were just never able to get over the hump. This is going to sound crazy, but Philip Rivers was no Justin Herbert. Okay, and hear me out. I know because Philip Rivers is in the Hall of Fame discussion. Okay. okay? He's you a Hall of Famer. Look at the way they played. Philip Rivers was the prototypical back-in-the-day quarterback. Take the snap, drop back, make the pass. Nothing fancy. Very good at what he did. But Justin Herbert is going to be that and more. Like, when he doesn't see the play, he checks down one, checks down two. He doesn't see it above. He sees a hole. He's running with it. Philip Rivers didn't have that in his arsenal as a quarterback. And I think that's just the position itself has evolved over the years because Joe Burrow is much the same. And Josh Allen, you look at the quarterbacks, obviously Patrick Mahomes, we go down the list of almost quarterbacks that make a difference now can save themselves out of trouble. And I just think that Herbert being that way will be even better and it'll give the Chargers a chance to win. Well, Herbert also doesn't have 11 kids, so. Not yet. Never. He's working on it. I, I, I hope he's able to do it. I just don't see it for that organization. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Let's play some questions and answers coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 
Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. So I'm just looking up awesome stats for Justin Herbert, basically. Fascinated by this kid. What's He's expecting completioncy. Oh, boy. Completion expectancy. Ding, ding. Come on, buddy. I know. Um, so I was looking this up, Jamie, because you, you were talking about how special he is and what how amazing it is that he's already accomplished what he has in the NFL. And through five games, this is wild. He has the second most passing yards of any quarterback through their first five games in NFL history behind only Cam Newton, who was unbelievable in his rookie year. Uh, he is fifth all time in most passing touchdowns through five games in NFL history behind only Kurt Warner, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and of course, Mark Rippon. Oh, yeah. Rip Daddy. And he is ninth in NFL history through five games in quarterback rating overall. Lynn Dawson, Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner, Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy G, of course. Who could Tony forget? Romo, Kelly Holcomb, because naturally, Kevin Cobb, naturally, and Ben Roethlisberger, the only ones ahead of him. So a hell of a start so far by Justin Herbert. All right, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Jamie, this one comes from the 314. Guys, I need help from Jamie Rivers. I need some advice for twin boys. They are 11 months and two weeks, and man, they are crazy. Can't keep myself upright. Wife is tired, and I'm working. What advice do you have for this gentleman from the 314, Jamie? Oh, dig your heels in, man, because it's not going away. I tell you what, having twins. How about this, guys? We had twins. We had a daughter that was turning three. We had twin boys. We came home from the hospital. I think I've told this story before. Came home from the hospital unloaded the kids into the house and I switched vehicles into my other vehicle and left for training camp with Detroit with the Red Wings that year. So my wife was stuck back in St. Louis with three kids and two newborn twins. Well, we had mother-in-law, Peggy Prady, the insurance lady, or now she's Peggy Prady, the lunch lady. Um, she jumped in for a shift and her father jumped in. It's a non-stop 24-hour grind and it, it doesn't end. I'm still dealing with it. They're 17 years old and it's a different kind of grind so i would say uh get mentally locked in because you're in for a wild ride i'm already frightened and i'm just having one i can't imagine twins now i will say this it's not all i won't say that's negative it's not negative it's not all just hard work there is a ton of fun that comes with this as they get to like 11 months right now in the next five to six months it's gonna be a lot of fun they're gonna be walking around they're gonna be bumping into each other they're laying on like there's like wrestling that goes on yeah it's a lot of fun but it is a lot of work man I don't, I legitimately, I'm not kidding when I say this. I don't know how you do what you do. I don't. I don't understand. Jamie has 17 jobs. (laughs) I don't even know all of them. He has 27 kids at home, 15 different animals. I just learned about a new one like a month ago. He is constantly working, somehow has time to prepare for this show every day. He's coaching his kids Seemingly every athletic venture you could possibly go into, I think including dance for his children. If I need to break out a quick routine, I'm good for like a two and a half minute. Prove it. Oh yeah, we can do that. And somehow has time to drink at least a bottle of wine a night. Oh, minimum. At least. It's unbelievable what Jamie is able to accomplish in a day. In all fairness, yes, my day never ends. It goes and goes. My days just roll into each other, but I do have a great support system at home. My wife takes on a lot and she's a realtor and has her own job and the kids are Look at man, it's a team effort for sure. I don't know you. Anybody that has children is a, in my in my mind, especially if you like do, do take care of them well. You are a superhero. You, you really are. It is unbelievable to me because I I struggle just getting through my day. 
Thank you, BK. <laughs> and I'm trying to imagine adding like one or two snot rockets to my oh. life every day. <laughs> yes. It's just a it lot of boogers impossible. and poop in your life. That's Not for good. sure. Not good for but that's us. where the wine comes in. Uh, 65780 Easy is the air comfort service text line from the 314. Guys, over under 89 wins for the Cardinals next year based on where they are right now and what you think they'll do this this offseason. Over or under 89 wins for the Cardinals oh, I think it's year. early for that. Like, I want to see what they do with Colton Wong. I want to see what they do in free agency. That's the fun of it, Jamie. Uh, otherwise, but I also, you know what I'm going to say? Under. And here's why. It has nothing to do with their performance. I don't think they'll play 162 games next year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you didn't say there was rules. That's true. Nice loophole ribs. Yeah, I'll bet the under on that one. I'm going to say... I'm going to say under as well with 162 games and with the uncertainty of this free agency. I just the same team. We saw a short sample size of it. And I think in a longer season, it's going to be even more of a uh, uphill battle with all of this offense, especially if you're taking on these teams more than the NL Central and the AL Central. You're going to be taking a lot more tougher teams. I'm going to say under. So if you look at what the Cardinals have done in recent years, Cardinals in 2016, 86 wins. Since then, 83, 88. They did win 91 in 2019. And then this year, obviously, the the strange season winning 30 out of the 58 that they played. If you just look back at recent history, the way that they put their team together, you would have to take the under. And so I'm going to take the under right now until they do something differently than they have over the last five years. I have no reason to believe that they're going to com- be competing for 90 plus wins right now. This is a team that I think has a floor of about 82 and a ceiling around 89. I think we kind of know what they are going into the year. Again, this is assuming they bring back Colton Long. They bring back Adam Wainwright. They bring back Yadier Molina and don't make many other significant upgrades to the roster. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Hey, guys, have you ever rubbed hot sauce in your eye before? Is that something that you've done, Jamie? I actually Jamie? have, okay? And it was it, you're eating wings, and this was once I actually started to get wings with the hot sauce on it. And you just, I rubbed my, near my eye, and it started to burn. And, you know, it's it's uncomfortable. Not enough to so much so that you would leave a press conference because of it. Is that what you would say? <laughs> okay, so let's 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 break that down for a second. Okay, one, we obviously know he had something with Tabasco or hot sauce, which is great. Means he's you know he likes a little spice in his life. So should we should we catch up the listeners real quick? Yes. So yesterday, the Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator in his press conference, and he starts wiping his eye, and you can see him kind of wiping it, wiping it, wiping it. And suddenly he gets to the point where he says, like, I got to take a break, guys. Here's what it sounded like on the Zoom conference, Jamie. I got something in my eye. Um, just had some Tabasco on my finger and it went in my eye. That wasn't good. Oh, never good. It's terrible. Jeez. I'm sorry. Give me one second. He had to leave the press conference because he had he must have had some sort of lunch with the Tabasco sauce, put it in his eye. And you can see like, where he rubs his eye. Yeah, in this too. aren't you washing your hands? OK, after but wait. You eat? So here's where I'm During going the with pandemic. it. They're Thank awful you. right now. The Cowboys are awful, like poo poo awful. Did he do it on purpose? Oh, get out of the Zoom conference. Was there really hot sauce on his finger? 
Now he got to leave the press conference and everybody's like, yeah, he's making kind of fun. They're bringing some attention to something different than the fact that the Cowboys suck. I'll say this. If there was actual Tabasco sauce on his finger, and I've had this happen too, I'm not casually wiping my eye going, oh, oh, that stinks. No, it, it jumps I'm in a hurry. I'm freaking out going, oh my blank. He might be it tougher burns. than both of us. Though, no, too. I don't think so. The Cowboys have given up 243 points this year. 243. The Jets' defense is no good, right? They've given up 200. The Cowboys have given up an extra 40 points compared to the New York Jets, who we all agree is a dumpster fire. We all think the Giants stink, right? They've given up 175 points this year. This was their defensive coordinator trying to get out of a Zoom conference. Yes. Tim Foyle, Jamie Rivers yep. is absolutely correct. 100%. I bet a lot of money on it. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. True. That's why you're here with us. Coming up next, the difference for the Dodgers this year is very clear. And I think there's only one way the Cardinals can counter it. I'll tell you why. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It just we got to steal, and um, I'm just so grateful that the deal was done uh, because it's not only helping us this year; it's going to help us for the next wave of young players and and really enhance what we have as a culture going forward. I mean, it's going to affect players that haven't even been drafted by the Dodgers yet. So that's what I'm really excited about as well. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's pretty clear what the difference is this postseason for the Dodgers and Mookie Betts. Oh, say Max Muncie. Who? And Mookie Betts, oh, yeah. and he, he's a game changer for them. He allows them to just basically set it and forget it at the top of the lineup. Betts and Seager have hit one, two in 52 of the Dodgers last 58 games. They basically know exactly what the top of their lineup is going to look like each and every night. Mookie's been amazing. Corey Seager is finally healthy. Those dudes are just game changers for the Dodgers. And so when I look at how the Cardinals can potentially emulate this, there's not really a way to. Because, <laughs> all right, segment over. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> They're not going to trade for a guy like Mookie Betts and give him the contract that Mookie Betts just got. They're not. I mean, I would love them to. I would love them to go get Nolan Arenado. I would love them to go get Francisco Lindor. I would love them to go sign George Springer and bring in another bat. Let's be honest. It's not happening. Why? All it took was Tyler O'Neill to get him into your team. So instead, I think there's another route that we could go here, Jamie. All right. What, if, what if the Cardinals doubled down? What if the Cardinals said, you know what? Our identity is pitching and defense. And we know that this offseason, we are not going to be able to add the bats to be able to close the gap significantly with this Dodgers team. They are just they are on a different level from everybody else in baseball right now. And I'm not even necessarily like specifying that to the Cardinals. It's everybody. Everybody is beneath the Dodgers by a wide margin right now offensively. What if they doubled down on their pitching staff? They won't go sign this player. They won't. But. What if they said, you know what, our best opportunity to be able to really take another step as a team is to go sign Trevor Bauer. Let's go sign the guy that... Oh, yeah, because he fits into the Cardinal way. I understand. I, I'm talking on-field, though. It doesn't make believe, right? Absolutely. Most okay. of what we do is. All right. So, what if they said, our best opportunity to really close the gap in the National League with the best team right now, which is the Dodgers, we can't match them bat for bat. 
But we can put together what is essentially an all-star pitching staff with really good defense behind it. And our best way to go about that, maybe Trevor Bauer is going to do another one-year deal. He's talked a lot about this, how he'd be interested in just signing one-year deals with a bunch of different teams. What if they decide, you know what, one year's $20 million. We'll go ahead and do that right now with Trevor Bauer. Well, isn't that their best opportunity to really realistically close the gap? I know the character thing. He doesn't fit in here. But baseball-wise, from a pure baseball perspective, wouldn't that make the most sense? No, I disagree. I really do. Here's why, okay? I like your effort on this one. I respect it tremendously. Now, here's why I disagree. We already got into the problem last year where the Cardinals had to be absolutely perfect on the mound and in the field in order to win games. Those one-run games where they, heck, they couldn't score runs. They couldn't even manufacture runs. So if the pitcher gave up one or two runs in a game, which is nothing these days for guys to do that, then you're screwed. And two, if you're going to spend $20 million on Trevor Bauer, why wouldn't you take that $20 million and actually address the problem? Because it's a one-year deal, potentially. That's uh, the big difference. You don't think that the, here it might be available. In this economy right now, a bat for one year could be available, especially if a guy's like in the 15 to $16 million range. Not an range. elite one, though. That's the difference. This is, we're talking about an elite pitcher. Yeah. Like Trevor Bauer might win the Cy Young this you year. You think in the he's National signing League. for only $20 million? Maybe. If he's going one-year one year deals. $20 million, something like that. Yeah. 20 to 25 probably. I don't know. I still don't see it. I, it. I understand your angle, and I think it's a really good angle. I just don't think it helps the Cardinals win more games overall. I still think they're in the same problem, again, where they got to put runs on the board, and they won't be able to. Trevor Bauer, I don't think, well, if the DH isn't here, maybe he can hit home runs for himself. Might be able to. At least he could throw the ball to the outfield. Uh, I, I don't see it helping either. I mean, if you look at the Tampa, Tampa Bay's style, we've talked about it, very similar to the Cardinals' style. You take a Rosarena out, they're not scoring as many runs. They're pitching in defense first, and I wouldn't consider Blake's Snell and Tyler Glass now a elite one-two punch like you would have with a Flaherty and Bauer because I think that's obviously better but beyond that what do you have Carlos Martinez well, Dakota Hudson's gone Miles Michaelis KK Wayno. yes Michaelis but Wayno's that's a really a question good mark. Wayno's a question mark. And look what KK was in the postseason for you. I mean, he was good, but he yeah, KK, but you weren't KK's really. I feel but good you about weren't KK. perfect. Alex, don't be mean. But you, he was my guy. What are you guys talking? Don't he be wasn't mean. perfect. What I'm saying is, perfect isn't going to win you a World Series. It might get you to the NLCS. But it's not going to get you to the World Series, regardless. I don't of, even think it gets you there, man. Seriously, I think I think if you go back with a Trevor Bauer in your rotation in the in the uh, DS this year. I think it gets you there. But you have I to think too. ahead, though, guys. Wayno may not be here. Michaelis, who knows what his timeline is to come back. And Carlos Martinez, which version are you getting of him? Like, you don't know. So those are three guys that are in your rotation that could be completely either not there or ineffective. Understood. All the more reason to go sign another pitcher to be able to help you out in the rotation. Like, if you have that many questions about their rotation right now, Jamie then they probably should address it in some way, or they're going to be counting on a lot of these young guys. Just get back to where guys. they were this year, though. Maybe, but I, I don't think, if you're not adding a, a an elite bat, then you're not really making a, a huge difference in the lineup anyway. Well, it's got to be better than what they have. Maybe, or maybe it just gets you from being one of the worst in the league yeah. to being slightly better well, than that's one not, of the worst in the league. And that's not true either, Is You could put Jock Peterson in there, and you're, I mean... You're better, yeah, but you're not. I mean, you're you're just oh, adding you're... another person who strikes out and hits home runs occasionally. Yeah, but 
the point being is that this year, the Tyler O'Neills, the Lane Thomases, the Harrison Bader at the point at the plate, and Harrison Bader was numbers-wise better than those guys yep. were. Dylan Carlson came screaming back, had a great finish to his season. I had nothing negative to say there. But I think if you added a bat at this point, you'd at least get to back to where you were this year, and maybe you get a few runs in those playoff games. I agree with you, and I want them to add that elite bat. I, that, that is like priority number one for me this offseason is adding that elite level bat that really does change the complexion of your lineup that can hit second, third, or fourth for you. I'm talking about a guy that it really does change things, George Springer on that level. But if they are unwilling to do that, if they are unwilling to give the multi-year, high-level, 20 to $30 million contract out to somebody, then this is where I could see them pivoting. And I... Again, I don't think they will do this, but this is just kind of wrapping my mind around what the options could be this offseason. The other elite level player that is on the market is Trevor Bauer. You can hate what he does personally. You can disagree with everything that he stands for as a human being. He is an elite pitcher in baseball. He is an absolute star on the mound, one of the best that you could possibly get. And he's available. He's out there this year on the open market as a free agent, and he's interested in one-year deals. And the he's Cardinals already hinted though that he deals. wants to go to the Astros. He's hinted that he wants to go everywhere. Yeah, he's put the tweet out with every team logo saying, I'm available for one-year <laughs> deals. So he'll yeah. sign wherever he wants. If nothing else, he's entertaining. But can you imagine that combo of him and Yachty? I think that would be a disaster. We would see fistfights on the field between pitcher and catcher. See, as much as... As much as we think that, I actually think he kind of fits with the Cardinals. I do. How? I know people are going to get upset about me saying that. He's got a little bit of the red ass in him. Like he's got, he is a more outspoken version of Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, personality wise, has a lot of the same tendencies yeah. as what you see out but of Trevor Bauer. But it was Bauer. dialed down. Like Lance was Lynn was really subtle with it. And he was never outspoken. Like he was just. Yeah, Bauer's just willing to say the humor. things that Lance didn't. But he says them, like, aggressively, Bowers, which is different. Yeah. Lance Bowers, Lynn was, like, in jest all the time. See, I would put it more with Jack Flaherty. Yeah? Only, le- only less uh, less controversial, I guess, because yeah. Jack Flaherty hasn't been controversial. He's just, just been outspoken. Well, the whole Bowers world has been controversial, right? Controversy. So if you comment on anything right now, well, sure, that's true. you're controversial. But so, I, I see it more as a Jack Flaherty. The reason why I even mentioned this is listen, listen to these names that I'm about to give you. This would be the staff. I'm talking... Starting staff plus the bullpen, and we're watching right now the the Rays. The reason why they are in the World Series and why they're even having an opportunity to win the World Series is a Randy Rosarena. Uh, Let's put that to the Rosarena. side. Hi. Also, their defense and their pitching, and specifically the fact that they've got like ten different dudes that are coming out of this bullpen throwing a hundred right now. So the Cardinals' rotation could be something to the effect of Flaherty, Bauer, Wayno, Michaelis, KK. That also gives you coming out of the bullpen. Carlos, Reyes, Gallegos, Gant, Gomber, Helsley, Ponce, uh, Whitley, and Hicks. Where's Brevia? Brebbia potentially coming back. We'll see. He might be a non-tender guy this year because okay. of the injury. So I hope he's back. But even if he's not, and I didn't even mention Miller, who I just think those guys are better than, but he'll be back next year. That is a really deep staff. And you just added an elite arm to it. So if you're going to be able to get to... Take that next step, getting to the NLCS, getting to the potentially the World Series, being able to go up against this Dodgers team. You got to have something you do better than they do. And the only way that I could see this team getting there is in the rotation. 
that that is the place where they're going to have to win against the Dodgers because they cannot match them bat for bat. I like your idea. I think you support it with great ideas. Uh, I just still think that at the end of the day, you're going to force your team to be perfect defensively in certain games, and that's where you're going to lose because you won't have the bats to back it up. It's 12-15, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Let's talk to JR about a guy who is still on the market who I think would be a great fit for the Blues. But Jamie thinks he's asking for too much money. We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Browning Group and Celebrity Line. Happy to be joined by our guy, Jeremy Rutherford, Blues analyst for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. JR, how you doing, man? Doing well, lads. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing fantastic. So we've got a company bet uh, going around. We passed around the hat, and we wanted to ask you a quick question because we've been really enjoying these World Series, and uh, <laughs> the Rays have a first baseman who did the splits recently. He's a a larger gentleman. And could so be your we body were, double. <laughs> we were wondering, you know, do you think JR could do the splits? And so we, we need the answer from the source himself. And a video. <laughs> And a video. Yeah, i got to prove it, right? Uh, you know, when I saw that the other night, the first thing I thought of, and, and Ferrario and, and BK, you guys are too young, but Riz probably remembers a first baseman, Glenn Davis. Oh, boy. Astros years ago. He was he was fun to watch. Whenever those balls were wild and over to first, uh, he would he would uh, get down in that splits and, and make the play, and it was pretty incredible. So I saw that the other night. He is a portly gentleman, and, and so I like him I like him already. He's, uh, you know, <laughs> if we met, we'd probably gentleman. be good friends. But, but I have to tell you, I have to be honest here, no splits for uh, for me, and uh, therefore uh, the answer is no. Well, yeah, I, JR, listen, I'm with you on that one. Now, guess I thought of Grant Fuhr when I saw that. Yeah. I really did, because Grant Fuhr, as anybody who remembers, Grant was built for comfort, okay? <laughs> he wasn't a uh, triathlete or anything like that. But when he had a shot come in and he had to go into the splits to make a glove save, like, nobody had better picture-perfect splits than Grant Fuhr. So I thought about that the other day. I'm like, look at this guy thinking he's Grant Fuhr. It's unbelievable. I, I remember exactly what you're talking about, watching Grant do that. And, Ribs, do you think there's more players in the league today that could probably do the splits? I'm talking NHL. I was at uh, Elevated Performance the other day. Uh, insert your own joke there about me working out. And, uh, driving and, and Brady, by? <laughs> drove asking by. for directions? There's a McDonald's in the neighborhood, and so uh, Brady Kachuk was in, and it just seems like these guys today, and I see it when I walk past the Blues locker room today, you know, they're doing so much rollers and, and things like that, that it just looks like there's more flexibility than there was uh, in your day, and Brady had it down where he was almost doing the splits. In fact, I think he said over to Matthew, he goes, I'll be doing the splits pretty soon. Yeah, look, guys, it went in waves, right? Like, obviously the 70s and the 80s, uh, there, was, there wasn't a whole lot lot of physical fitness involved in the NHL. Heck, I remember my first training camp in 93. We didn't have a weight room. We had one stationary bike and a medicine ball, and that was the weight room. And then you come back after that. In the 90s, look, guys went for bulk. It was all about size and strength and power. And a lot of guys did blow out groins and did hip flexor problems. And nowadays, thanks to like guys like Gary Roberts and Crash over at Elevated Performance and great trainers around the city, they're learning that flexibility is the key to this, especially in a sport like hockey. So, yeah, th- I would definitely say that today's player is, one, all around in better shape, but certainly way more flexible. 
Yeah, and you hit it. The key to being athletic, but also staying away from the injuries. Yeah, absolutely. That's the biggest thing, because groins and, and hip flexors, when you're a hockey player, that could just ruin you. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. All right, JR, I got to ask you about a free agent that we've been getting a lot of questions about here on the show, and it's Anthony DeClaire, uh, former Senators player, now on the free agent market, had 23 goals last year, 19 the year before. G- I wanted to ask you because Jamie keeps telling me, hey, he's, he's too much, too much, too much. He's asking for too much money. Is there any chance that the Blues could add a player like him down the stretch here as we continue moving forward into this offseason? He's asking for too much. No, BK, he'd be great. I mean, look, he's resurrected his career. He bounced around. He, he scored uh, 20 plus goals last year for Ottawa. And, uh, you know, I've heard that he wants somewhere in the neighborhood of four to five million. And I think that's why a lot of these guys, you look at Mike Hoffman, declare some of the other names that aren't signed yet. His teams are waiting for these prices to come down on these guys. Maybe they'll get a little antsy as, as the weeks go by. I don't think that's going to be the case with declare. He thinks he's really uh, proven himself and, and good for him. Uh, but you look at him, he sheds the agent. And so now he wants to negotiate the contract on his own. I don't know that that would be something that Doug in, uh, Armstrong would be interested in nope. uh, anyway. Way. And then you talk about four or five million dollars. So there's your answer. Uh, he wants too much. Yeah, JR. And look, here's the thing with this guy. He got 20 plus goals on the Ottawa Senators, which is great because there was nobody else to go to unless your name was Brady Kachuk, pretty much. And you put him on the Blues lineup, he's one of many who can play. And unfortunately, Craig Berube. Well, you know, he kind of expects you to play defense and to track the puck down and to get the puck back, not just wait for it from your teammates. So I think that the $5 million price tag, and that's the last thing I got. I talked to Pierre Dorian a while back, and he's like five times five is what this guy's looking for, and that's just out of this world. So I think Anthony Duclair is a great project player still he to me he has not established himself as a full nhl player he's a project player at between one and a half to two million dollars i'd give him a two-year deal almost to prove yourself to me with a real team deal yeah, yeah, for sure. And you hit it on the head in terms of he hasn't done it very long. I mean, if, if you want to talk about guys who are looking for five times five, that's a guy who's done it for three or four years and, and maybe, you know, 25, 28 goals. You look at uh, Braden Shen, he scored 28 a couple times and, and uh, led the Blues in scoring. And, and now he's turned himself into a $6.5 million player. So to me, uh, Declare isn't there yet. If that's anywhere near uh, the asking price in terms of the term as well, five years, then uh, that's, that's a no for me. And quite honestly, if I'm looking to spend in the $5 million range and I'm looking to go four or five years, I'm going to Mike Hoffman. Yep. This is the guy I'm going to. That's a proven goal scorer. He's a proven power play guy. That shot is all, all world when he gets that thing on the power play. And I know exactly what I'm getting. He's had Joel Quenville as a coach, so I know that he's playing on both sides of the puck. If I'm investing four or five, even $6 million on a player, that's who I'm looking at. Yeah, he'd be an absolute great fit. And Blues had some interest uh, in Ottawa uh, before he went to uh, Florida. Or I'm sorry, uh, you know, up there uh, in, in uh, with the Canadian team. And he went to Florida, and he continues to score. Uh, but the situation is that there's uh, 12 or 14 teams after Mike Hoffman is what I'm hearing. So even though he hasn't signed yet, and even though uh, he probably isn't going to get what he would have liked to, I think it's a situation where there's so many teams after him that it might be tough uh, for the Blues to outbid anybody if they even wanted to.
JR, we're talking with Jeremy Rutherford, Blues analyst for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. JR, I wanted to ask you about this schedule situation because I can't imagine being a player right now. I, I haven't talked with any of the guys, obviously, but I mean, imagine you're you're sitting at home trying to train for something that you don't know when it's coming. You don't know when the schedule is actually going to begin. And I know a lot of these guys kind of set things up to where they're going to be at their peak performance by the time they get back to training camp. And I, I don't know how you do that right now. What are you hearing on when? the schedule is officially going to open up and how likely it is that it's going to be as soon as early in January. Well, when the league put out a memo the other day, uh, they reiterated that they're still looking at January 1. And I think a lot of us think that that's probably going to be pushed back. Uh, Bill Foley, the owner in Vegas, uh, leaked out uh, February 1, possibly. I saw the NBA the other day. You know, they're talking December. Does that push the NHL into a situation where maybe they want to start up a little sooner? Uh, also, you have the Olympics, and uh, they want to wrap up. The NHL wants to wrap up uh, prior to the Olympics getting going uh, next summer. So I think there's a lot of things in play. I don't think this is quite as difficult as some of the lockout years that, that Jamie went through or even the return to play. When you were when were you going to come back from the pandemic? Even though uh, guys don't know, at least you've got it pinned down to a 30-day stretch, you know, January 1 to February 1. So I think they'll be okay with uh, the training if that's the ballpark uh, timeline. Yeah. I, also, JR, a question about roster stuff. We talked about this yesterday a little bit is one I guess it would depend on expanded rosters for a season like this because there is talk of three games and three nights and I went into how hard that is as a player yesterday on the show I wonder if they expand the rosters would the Blues at that point look to carry three goalies just in case there's a hiccup just for the wear and tear on Jordan Bennington heck even the wear and tear on Billy Huso who's never played an NHL season you would have to, but the curiosity would be, uh, who would it be? Look, they were looking to add some depth, and they brought in a who has just 11 games of NHL experience. you got Billy Huso sitting here in St. Louis as your backup with no games. I think he's uh, suited up for about 14 or 15 but as the backup, but, but never got in one. So, JR, you know, would you he, consider Jimmy Howard? Yeah, I think you'd have to. I, I really do. And I know uh, it, it's so hard, Riv, to pin down what the Blues have to spend because right now they're about a million over the cap. They still need to sign Vince Dunn. But uh, Doug Armstrong mentioned with the injuries to Steen and Tarasenko, we've talked about this, that they've got that uh, flexibility with the, putting them on long-term injury. You know, there you're looking at $12, 13000000 million uh, in cap space that you could potentially go over the cap. You would just have to be down if and when uh, either one of those two guys return so to me uh howard sitting out there uh you know heck i thought a couple three weeks ago maybe runquist was a the guy they'd look at so to me i like the idea of seeing what billy huso's got i just don't know that this is the year guys with uh you know the, the condensed schedule and the possibility of playing so many games in, in a short span uh i do eventually want to see what billy huso has uh but the blues have to bring in some experience i think into the system uh at the position He's Jeremy Rutherford. Find his work over on The Athletic. Speaking of The Athletic, Jar, I got to ask you before we let you out of here, you were able to catch up with Tory Krug uh, about his weekend visit here to St. Louis. And from what I understand, he went over to Emo's. He got some toasted wraps. What else can you tell us about it? Yeah, he was uh, here for five days last week. He and his wife, Melanie, and his uh, 16-year-old daughter, Sailor. And uh, they were out at the practice facility. He said it's awesome, except for the Stanley Cup mural up on the wall. 
And uh, and I do know one other thing is uh, he looked at a bunch of houses, including one that belongs to Alex Petrangelo. And then on the emos, uh, I won't make you read the article. Everybody wondering if uh, if he likes emos, and in fact, he said he did. And uh, there, so take so take that, BK. And also, yes. he likes the toasted ravioli. So well, that's a good Krug choice. Really, He's one for two. Tory Krug really fitting in well here in St. Louis. See, so Tory Krug actually likes St. Louis. So BK. here's a question: Would he have told you if he didn't like it? Like, I feel like Tory Krug has to like the St. Louis style pizza. There, there is no other option for him right now because he's trying to kind of, it's not a one for one. So you're calling him out already. Uh, Well, I mean, he's calling him a liar. He's basically the guy that replaced the guy that was the first captain to ever hold up the cup for St. Louis. And he's going to come in and be like, yeah, your pizza stinks. No, I don't think that's what Tori Krug's option is going to be. Your pizza stinks. Yeah, and, and BK, I will give you this because I was interested in that too. Is he just telling us what we want to hear? And after he said that it was delicious and it was good, and I know we'll get some more for you know when we come into town, uh, he did say at the end he said, "Well, you know what? If my wife likes it, then we all like it." And so she did. So there's our answer there. Smart so, guy. Smart know. guy. Yeah. See, I wonder he can run a power play. Smart guy. JR, <laughs> always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. Looking forward to that piece. People can find it over on The Athletic. Yep, it's up now. Thanks a lot. Awesome. You got it. That's Jeremy Rutherford joining us here on 101 ESPN. I appreciate that he was open and honest. I appreciate the Tory Krug said, you know what? If the wife likes it, I like it. You know what? He really told you there, Jamie. If you say, hey, if my wife likes something, then I like something, what are you really saying? I'm saying that I like my life and I don't want to be killed in my sleep. Exactly. Exactly. We all know what he's... Read between the lines. BK, you're so negative today. Why are you the way that you are? I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. We've heard that a lot today, which makes a lot of sense, honestly. That's your ringtone. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. The Cowboys had a very, very embarrassing moment that took place on Sunday. And no, I'm not talking about just the fact that they lost to the Washington professional football team. We'll tell you about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It's the most embarrassing moment of the season and a season full of embarrassing moments for the Cowboys. I mean, don't tell me you have my back. Show me. And this is the same football team, Z, that three weeks ago told us, well, we can't play hard for all 70 plays. That's just too much to ask of us, okay? There's a big difference between getting beat up on the scoreboard because you're not good enough. I get all that. And there's a big difference in getting punked and then taking that punking. And that's what the Cowboys did in that moment. That's the most embarrassing moment this season for Dallas. So this is interesting. I love Dan Orlovsky. He's amazing. Um... The Cowboys have become a national punchline for a million different reasons. Part of it is just as simple as they're not good. They're a really, really, really awful football team right now. And so a lot of people are punking them for that reason. But over the weekend, the Washington professional football team punked them in a way that is really getting to the heart of what athletes hate. And it is when guys do not stick up for their teammates. Jamie, I know you texted us last night and you said, guys, I really want to talk about this Cowboys thing. It's like, okay. And it's funny because from the outside looking in, I didn't make too much of this. I, 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 it just looked like another play to me, right? But I've noticed over the last couple of days with the analysis that I've seen, guys like you that have played in these leagues that know what it's like to be between the white lines, and I certainly don't have that experience, 
this is what they've really clung on to. This is what they're looking at and saying, there's something wrong in that locker room. I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong. There's something rotten inside of that locker room. What did you make of it when you saw, and for people that didn't see it, Andy Dalton was getting ready to slide. He slid slid legs first, head back. And typically, that means you're giving yourself up as a quarterback. The defender is supposed to allow you to slide, and they are not allowed to hit you helmet to helmet, certainly. That is... Or launch themselves at you. A dirty hit, and it got the guy uh, bolted from the game. He was ejected as a result. Bostic was the linebacker for Washington who did this. Andy Dalton ended up with a concussion. He is likely out for this week, and none of his teammates, none of Andy Dalton's teammates, came to support him in that moment. So, Jamie, what did you make of that on Sunday, and where are you at today compared to where you were then? Oh, my God, it gets me hot under the collar. It really does, because I've played on some bad teams in my lifetime, some bad teams, but we always had each other's backs. And somebody hit somebody from behind, dirty, a cross-check to the face. There was hell to be paid. No matter what. And even if you didn't match up physically against that guy, then guess what? The next time your superstar came down the ice, he was getting it. It was an eye for an eye, and you cannot let your teammates get just abused like that. And another thing that I thought was really telling is Mike, Mike, Mike McCarthy has some quotes here that I'm going to read real quick. He says, we speak all the time about playing for one another, protecting one another. It definitely was not the response you would expect. Another quote from Mike McCarthy is, it's kind of a microcosm of where we are as a team. Well, hey, coach, here's a friggin' news flash. It falls on you. Pick the right guys, instill the right attitude, and make sure these guys are accountable for, one, how bad they play, and two, if they don't stick up for their teammates. And I understand that these guys were young, and everybody's using that excuse, well, a bunch of young guys, and they ran over to make sure Andy was okay. You need one guy to make sure Andy's okay. The next guy better be coming behind and blindsiding that guy and sending him in the next month. And I know it's probably not the right thing to do. Uh, Jamie's being mean right now. I don't care. That's how you develop team chemistry. That's how teams win. You listen to every NFL guy yesterday that has won something, that played an extended period of time, that was part of something positive. They all said the same thing. You cannot let that happen. Something has to happen. And if that's the case right there, I'm coming in and I'm making sure that my teammates know that I've got Andy Dalton's back, especially since you're down Dak Prescott. This guy's your next guy. What, do they just get to chip away at your whole team? No, I don't think so. Heck, I'd have ran over and hit the damn coach on the other team. You want to start some stuff? Let's go, boys. It reminded me of Saturday, and Ferrario, you watched this in the Mizzou game, when Larry Roundtree destroyed a corner and the entire Mizzou bench is over there pointing and laughing at that poor corner. Now I loved it as a Mizzou fan. I thought it was great. Oh, I didn't like it. Of course Wait, you didn't. You just said you wanted to murder somebody after they hit one of your teammates. Say murder. You loved it. I already knew Mizzou was winning that game. Close. That was when I knew Mizzou had stolen the soul of Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> because none of those Kentucky defenders went over there to support their guy. They were just like, okay, well, we'll pick it up on the next play. This is already over. Mm-hmm. I knew right then and there they have demoralized this team. And that's what I feel watching the Cowboys every week. It's not just that they're losing these games. It's that they are completely demoralized from the moment that they walk onto the field. 
you look at what Ezekiel Elliott looks like right now, body language wise. He looks checked out. Oh, he's given up. He's tapped out. He he's, well, he's he also a, can't catch a ball either. Can't well, hold one. Part of that is because of the concentration, right? When your head's not totally into the game, and I I know I'm playing armchair psychologist here, but I mean it's hard not to notice it when you're watching the games on Sunday. Ezekiel Elliott is too talented to be playing this way right now. He is. He's getting run over in pass protection. He's fumbling the ball all over the place, despite the fact that he never really had fumbling issues prior to this he's not catching the ball when he's one of the best receiving backs in the game it doesn't make any sense the receivers are dropping passes the linemen aren't making their blocks the quarterbacks are missing easy throws but at least that's because of a talent deficiency like everything that could go wrong is going wrong with this Cowboys team you're hearing these comments coming out about how the coaching staff isn't working hard enough like Jamie all of that led to the moment that you're talking about absolutely that that was a symptom not the root cause what you're talking about tell you what that better it can be a breaking point or a turning point for this team to where next week they come out and they play so hard because they don't like the narrative surrounding their team or it's the breaking point where they just cash their chips collect their paychecks and do what they can to get through the season and we got some good texts here 65780 air comfort service text line and it says uh from the 314 sounds kind of like when jamie ben just sat on petrangelo and nobody did anything yeah you're damn right I was pissed then, too. And what did that team win that year for the Nothing. Nothing. Same when Perron was hit in the head by Joe Thornton coming out of the penalty box. Nothing. Nothing. They didn't win. Now, Craig Bruby comes in, a different mentality. Now you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody getting cheap-shotted without somebody coming in, at least buzzing the tower on these guys. And that's why the Blues are a championship-caliber team. That's what they've built, that, that culture. And another one that I think is funny and that we may have to clarify from the 314. Jamie, why don't you have BKs back then? <laughs> Listen, we're on a show and we're like brothers and we disagree, but you'd be there'd be hell to be friggin' found if somebody around this office or down this hallway messes with my teammates, they're going to hear about it. And that's just the bottom line. Yeah. So, yeah, we agree on here, but that's us. Don't anybody else do it. So this is interesting, Jamie. Uh, first of all, I, I know Jamie's got my back. That I've never questioned that whatsoever. Well, there was one moment when I wasn't sure. But since then, I, I've been pretty sure about <laughs> I it. I still question it, but I haven't had an incident yet. So <laughs> um, so this was just tweeted out by the Dallas Cowboys. Literally, as we're talking right now, this was tweeted out by the Dallas Cowboys team account. The title on the tweet says Jerry Jones expecting to, quote, change some personnel. And then it links to the team website and it, it quotes him from his interview that he did earlier today on 105.3 The Fan down in Dallas. And Jerry Jones told them about the defense, quote, we've got to correct it. We'll get some change in personnel for sure. We ju- uh, just to step in here and make some adjustments. That's just what you do. Uh, the Cowboys are blowing this thing up. Well, and, and it, it makes me want to. If, if you're already willing to do this this year under this coach, it's over. It, it, I, I don't know how this coaching staff comes back from this. Well, and Jerry Jones said earlier today in that same interview that Mike McCarthy was his guy, said, I found my guy. So it's not personnel in terms of the head coach. Yeah. It's everyone else on this Cowboys roster, which is kind of surprising to Jerry, me. Jerry, you're blowing it, man. You're supposed to be America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. And you may disagree with me all you want, but over the course of time, they have been everybody's darling for a long time. Jerry Jones, you're blowing it. Time to blow it up, man. Start fresh. Get somebody who's competent in there and get a culture that's going to bring some some pride back to the go big write star. A, go write a blank check 
Go get Lincoln Riley, the head coach out at Oklahoma. I know it's going to take everything. You're, you're going to have to give him everything to leave that job at Oklahoma. He's the guy. He's the answer. You go down to the college ranks. It's not Dabo. Dabo's not. I know what some people will say. He is not cut out for the NFL. That shtick no. is going to grow old real quick in the league. Those dudes will not listen to him the way that he gets people to buy in in college. That is a very much a college shtick, and it works for him at Clemson. The guy you go get is is Lincoln Riley. Go, go go find that guy and give him whatever he's asking for. All right, real quick before we get to the junk drawer here in just a moment. How many teams right now are you ready to cross off? You're saying they're done. The season is over. They are not competing for the playoffs anymore. I'm willing to write them off today because I think there's some obvious ones. Like anybody 0-7 right now, go ahead and cross them off. They're done. <laughs> oh, it's wow. over. They smell a comeback. Yeah. It's finished. Go we 8-7? We can all agree, I think. Jets, you guys ready to cross them off? Yep. Uh, we can all agree, I think, right now. The Jaguars, ready to cross them off? Yes. The Texans, ready to cross them off? Are we ready to cross off the Vikings at 1-5? and five, Yes. Given the division? Yes. The Falcons? Yes. Sorry, Stultz. Anybody that <laughs> I didn't say that you're already today prepared to cross off the list? Well, the entire NFC East, except for <laughs> the first place team. But somebody's got to make the playoffs. I know. So, okay. So, the Giants. Yeah, but we said compete. Not think any of them are going to compete. I still think the Eagles are going to win that division. So, I think Washington, Dallas, and New York are whoops, See, gone. I'm willing to cross off the Giants. That's the only one from that division oh right now. Come on, BK. Okay, I'm willing to cross off Dallas. I'd too. cross oh. off the Dolphins. <laughs> Why? Dolphins. They're three and three. They're in second They're in the division. Place in the- Cross them off. What? Oh my god! Did you just have a stroke? No, nope. I don't know what he's doing. Great over idea, there. Alex. Is Cincinnati Bears? Are they still in it? What about the Bengals? Speaking <laughs> of Cincinnati, <laughs> out. No are we chance. ready to cross them yeah. off? All right, so we're ready to cross off the Bengals, Jets, Texans, Jags. What about Denver in the AFC? Out. After what I saw, oh my god! They're that. Yeah, there's no hope. Are the Chargers still alive? <sighs> nah, they're out. They got they're they're doing well, but what's the record? Two and four. Two and four. They got the Chiefs and the Raiders in that division alone. They got the Steelers, the Ravens, the Browns. There's no way. Yeah, I'd say they're the out. Chargers. Or excuse me, the Patriots. Yeah, they're out. They're done. Are we done? done? I'm done. Wow, you are crossing off half of the division. Basically, the entire AFC. Just cross them off. They're well, you done. you got to be realistic cross about them this. Off, I'm then. crossing off the Dolphins. No, no, we're not crossing no, off the Dolphins. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. I will cross off the Dolphins. Who is going to go undefeated? No, we're going to run geez. the table. So we've got the Giants, Vikings, Falcons, and Cowboys. Is there anybody else in the NFC that needs to be crossed off today? Four teams so far. Uh, we've got the Cowboys, Giants, Vikings, and the Falcons. Those are the only ones that we've crossed off so far. The Lions got to go. The Lions got to go. At three and three? Yeah, they got to go. Are we sure the Lions are better than the Bears? No, you give him the same treatment you gave me on the Dolphins. That's trash. No, be quiet. The Chicago Bears are at five and two right now. And I think the Lions are better. Still, we already said the Chicago Bears aren't making the playoffs. So the Lions aren't making it. They at least have a chance. I'm not willing to cross them off. Matt Patricia is your head coach. They're not making it. I don't think they are, but I'm not willing to write them off yet. <laughs> trash take, Jamie. Three and three. With Jamie Rivers Lions and Alex suck. Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Coming up here at 115, we've got Nick Swisher, FS1 baseball analyst. You can check him out tonight on the World Series watch party for Fox. He's going to join us coming up at 115. Coming up next, we're going to dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie, so yesterday you brought up the mashed potato 
candle, right? Yeah. By the way, my wife was like, that's disgusting. Really? Good to know. Karen never found out about it, so I'm still in good standing at home. Oh, hang um, on. We'll send her a text. So I've got something else, though, that I found I came across yesterday. And oh, apparently boy. I'm two years behind on this, which probably surprises nobody in our audience. No, none. KFC is selling its fried chicken-scented fire logs at Walmart this holiday season. Yes, I said that correctly. Fried chicken-scented fire logs. They are being sold at Walmart. Back for the third year in a row, the 11 herbs and spices fire log has sold out each of the past two years. What are we doing as a country? KFC's great. I got no issues with KFC whatsoever. I don't need to smell their fried chicken when I'm burning my firewood at home, though, Jamie. I don't need to smell mashed potatoes when I'm burning burning a candle at home. Like, I could have a damn meal as the smell of my house while I'm not even eating. Do you think you'd end these... up getting overweight? Because all these smells would like... two. It goes two ways, right? Either makes you hungry or makes you feel like you don't have to eat because you've been smelling it for so long. How many days in a row could you smell these things before you're like, I never want to eat chicken and mashed potatoes ever again? Probably oh, two days. like two hours? <laughs> Uh, I could go a day with it. Like the first day, you're like, okay, this sound, this smell. Like you've had that before where you've driven past a KFC and you're like, oh my God, that smells amazing. I want some. You get that for a day. That day two. Yeah, but that smell is as you're driving by. Right. If I sat in the parking lot and just smelled it for hours. Until you had it, then you're like, okay. Delicious. Delicious. You never worked at a restaurant, did you? Yeah, I did. You did? Yeah, so, I worked at multiple. Wow. So, you just tried to call him out. Yeah, no, you did. I, I didn't know Tell pest me control was good. the first thing you did. <laughs> oh, God, no. Um, the, the, the reason why I ask is <laughs> me because. Me as a pest control person at 16 would be a lot of <laughs> yeah, dead people. Go hand in hand. You got to keep the restaurant clean. Get rid of those pests. Touche. Go ahead. Um, the reason why I ask is because when you work at a restaurant, eventually you get really sick of oh, whatever God, that yeah. food is. I hate. Really I hated sick fish of it. for about two years after working at Red Lobster. See, and I worked at Buffalo Wild Wings, and it's like after a while, you just I don't want to smell any more buffalo sauce. I'm yeah. good. I, I don't need any more of the fry smell. I don't need any of that in my life anymore. I worked at Joe's Crab Shack. I'm done with the the shellfish. Although it's it. smells too. Yes. Although yes. as an Italian working it's like at an Italian, Italian restaurant. like luggage at the airport, having BK in the no, restaurant. No. Is that a nose <laughs> reference? Yes. Nose. It isn't. Jamie, what do you have for us in the junk drawer today? Okay, guys, uh, I don't know if you have a hairy back, a hairy behind, whatever. How what? much would, How listen to me, how much would it yes take? Yes and yes. How much would it take? To allow somebody to wax all those nether regions. When you Nothing. say all. All. Top to bottom. It. Front to back. Can I not do the legs, though? Like, I don't need the, my, my legs. You're done. worried about the legs yeah, right now? Are we That's really concerned hurt. about the legs? You think the legs will hurt? Okay. Are you? Are you? No. You think the legs would hurt worse than other areas? <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, Brooks Kepka uh, had a bet with his girlfriend, Jenna Sims, who nice person, great personality. Uh, and Kepka does well for himself. Yes, he does. Okay, he's in pretty good shape too, so good for him. Uh, and his bank account seems to be he's doing no very well. He's thriving, except for he lost a bet to his girlfriend, Justin Johnson. And the bet was, uh, I don't know what the bet was, but the the results are the loss was that he had to have his butt crack waxed. Like, like, whoosh. yeah, no, I don't need that. How do I you, don't need that. How do, do you, you make that bet with your girlfriend? Well, she's my fiance now, yeah. Jamie. Um, <laughs> no, and I'm just a overall. How do you not tear Brandon. something in that? Yeah, that's no, you don't. 
what would what would have to be the stakes for that, right? Like, like it'd have to be something that don't really into, matters for you. They don't go into what the other side of the bet was. Obviously, I'm expecting the fact that she didn't have to do that. Probably not. Probably not, yeah. right? So I'm wondering oh. what the other. It would have to be probably something really good on the other Shaver side. Head. I no, don't know if I can that. Yeah, that's see, a lose lose. Like, yeah. What, what's the, what's well, the benefit? Maybe from she's you? beautiful without hair. Well, I'm sure she is, but I bet she's better looking with the hair. Well, everyone. I mean, I'm looking at pictures of her. She looks to be just fine with hair. Um, but what was on the other side of this bet in order to sacrifice? Right. The crack. The crack the in. Crack the in, crack in. Ah, there Go it is. Go Seattle! With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. The Cardinals are all in on Jeff Albert. I know that's not what you want to hear. It is the truth, though. How do they take the next step with him as their hitting coach? We'll talk about it coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. are all in on Jeff Albert. I know, I know, I know. None of us wanted this to be the way that it went, but it is. So here we are, and this is where we're going. The Cardinals decided yesterday they're bringing back the entire staff. That was announced by Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Got a really good story up on some of the explanations as to why over there. So here's the question that I go to next, Jamie. How do the Cardinals improve? If you're going to bring back Jeff Albert, you've now said the hitting coach is not the problem. This is the statement that the Cardinals are making by making this type of a move. They have said publicly with their actions, not their words, but their actions, Jeff Albert, not the problem. So what was the problem this year? Because the Cardinals offense was putrid. We all watched it. They had one of the worst outfields in terms of offensive productions production in all of baseball. Their players seemingly got worse instead of better. There were guys that were here and went elsewhere and produced better elsewhere than they did here. So what's going on here? If it's not the hitting coach, what is it? And Jamie, I don't think we have a good answer on that yet. I think they're going to tell us for this year. It was just as simple as it was a 60-game weird season. They had the COVID break, uh, outbreak, and they didn't play baseball for two weeks, and that's why they had so many issues. I'm not buying that entirely because this has been a recurring theme over the last few years for the Cardinals. Is there anything they could say publicly that you'd be like, okay, that makes sense to you? I think just be honest. Just be honest. Like You can't, in my opinion, especially in, in great sports towns, you can't throw the fluff at the fans. They smell it a mile away. And so I think that if the Cardinals just came out and said, look it, yeah, we underperformed offensively. And some of that was due to maybe uh, imposing too much of a one singular philosophy on the guys. And it didn't work with everybody. Two is, yeah, we had a condensed season that was a nightmare logistically for us, and guys were tired, and all of it together seemed to explode on us in a negative way. We're looking forward to next season. We're already starting to build. Jeff Albert is a part of our plans right now with his philosophy, and we're looking to maybe add a person to help him out in the cages or in the dugout, and we're going to ride this thing out. And see what we can do. We're in tough times. Financially, this stinks for everybody. Every business, it stinks. And we're going to try and do the best we can so that we represent St. Louis the right way. 
and turn this team into a winner again. As a as a end of the season press conference, I'm imagining the Cardinals are going to do what the fast lane calls a crap sandwich. You're going to go into this by talking about the positives, and that was the pitching staff. You had a phenomenal season yep. by your pitchers. You were terrible offensively, but with those shortcomings, we made our way to the postseason. With the expanded postseason, we found success. We feel like we can build from this. COVID sucks. We're going to try and rally forward with this group of guys. They're going to condense this in a way that you can discuss the positives. And there are positives for this team, despite what people think. But those positives avoid the negative, which is the offense and the inability to build that back up. So how do you fix it is going to be the next question, right? As much as they sell us on weird season, no video that we were able to use, get to the ballpark later, leave earlier. That just wasn't the typical season. It's going to be better next year. They're going to try to sell us on that. And that's perfectly well and good. I don't know if I'll totally buy it, but whatever. That's going to be the company line. It is what it is. How do you fix it? How do you get better? How do you improve the lineup? Well, if they're not willing to spend money this offseason and everybody, everything seems to be leading in the direction that that is not going to be the case, not only here, but elsewhere. If you're not willing to spend, now we have to look internally. What are the options here? What are the options in the Cardinals' current organization that can improve what we saw a year ago? I was listening to the Fast Lane last night, and they brought up an interesting idea. Oh, they did, did they? They did. Hmm. Happens occasionally. What if the Cardinals go young? What if they go youth movement? What if they blow it up, you're saying? No. The opposite. <laughs> I think that's the opposite of that, actually. What if the Cardinals oh, what if the Cardinals next year out with the old and with the new? Bring up Nolan Gorman. And they say, listen, kid, we know you're going to take your lumps, but we're going to start you at third base or DH, and we're going to give you your opportunities in in the major leagues. Hey, Andrew Kisner, you're not going to start every day at catcher, but you're going to get your opportunities at catcher, and when you're not catching, maybe you'll get some opportunities at DH. We're going to have these young guys that are going to give us some hope next year. Those are going to be the guys that we can sell to the fan base of, hey, it's not all the same as it was a year ago. There are some differences here. Now, I do have a little bit of a disclaimer. Nolan Gorman has never hit above single A. He's never played above single A. And in single A, he had a 30% strikeout rate, and he was hitting like 220, 230. Now, he hits homers. He hits for power. He hits for a lot of power. But he's also going to strike out a lot, and he's not going to make a ton of contact. So he is kind of similar in terms of who he profiles as as a hitter, Tyler O'Neill, which is a guy that you were all frustrated with last year, and I was frustrated with last year. Is that, Jamie, enough for you? Do you think that is the right type of a route for them to take if they decided to go that way? I don't know if it's the right way to go, uh, but if they did, I would understand it. If they did, if they said, you know, look, Dylan Carlson made big strides last year. He's back. He's going to be a regular. He's going to be a starter and we'll end up giving him days off here and there, but he's our guy. If they said that Andrew Kisner's coming in, I don't know if you replace Yachty with him. I don't know if you walk on Yachty type thing or if you don't resign Yachty. I think you try to mix it in there and, and get Kisner some starts, maybe more than Yachty would like, but certainly more than what you've given anybody before. I think that Nolan Gorman at third base, it's risky. It's risky because he hasn't hit at a high level yet. He hasn't seen some of the stuff on these pitchers. And we saw how Dylan Carlson reacted, and he was supposed to be like the upper echelon of being a great hitter coming into Major League Baseball. 
Uh, Nolan Gorman probably take his lumps early with some of these guys, the way they move the ball around as pitchers. So I don't hate the idea. I don't love the idea, but I would be 100% okay with it. I, I could see where they were coming from with it, but I just I don't like it. I feel like you're stunting the growth of Nolan Gorman, and that's not saying that he's going to be elite if you keep him in the minors forever, but I mean, my point was exactly your point, Rivs. I mean, look at what happened with Dylan Carlson, and this guy has been mentally prepared for the last couple of years in double-A and in triple-A. You're talking about a guy who barely played a ball last year i mean you haven't seen mlb caliber pitching yet as a hitter you've seen guys who are like you who have just been drafted out of high school or college and put into a ball so i think that's going to be overwhelming for nolan gorman i could understand where they're coming from with it but me personally i would feel like that is going to truly stunt the growth of a player if you put a 19 20 year old in the majors and say hey we're hoping for offense and that's you know to my point last year when i said hold the horses on dylan carlson and i had predicted you know halfway through the season which there were injuries and covid and all that and he ended up being launched into action quicker and it didn't go well it didn't go well. There's something to be said with letting your prospects marinate in the minors and learn and become everyday ball players, hockey players, football players, though they don't have the minors there. But you, you hear what I'm saying, right? So yeah. I think that for Nolan Gorman, sometimes you have to look at it as an organization go, will it be better for him or worse for him to do this to him? Some guys rise to the top in those situations. Some guys sink and you never get them back. Truly six, five, seven, eight. Oh, is the air comfort service text line. And on that point, Jamie, for this year, the reason why I wasn't opposed to it with Carlson is because we had seen him dominate triple a pitching already. We had seen him do everything he needed to do at triple a. And so I felt like he was ready both in mentally because they had said so much about how mm-hmm. this kid is just, he's at a different level and it wasn't just the coaches. It was the other players who don't have to say that. And they were saying it unprompted that that's what stood out to them about Carlson. So the mental side, he seemed to be picking up quickly. And then physically, he's as gifted as you needed him to be to be able to come up to the majors and immediately have success. I don't know where Nolan Gorman is on that side of things. I also know that he did not dominate at single A. And if you're not dominating at single A, I don't want to see you come up to the majors because suddenly you could get ruined. They could ruin this kid if they bring him up Mm -hmm. next year and he's really not ready because he's more swing and miss. Carlson is the guy that's going to hit the bat, put the bat on the ball. He might not have the most power, but he's going to have some. When you're looking at Nolan Gorman, your hope is he's a guy that can hit you 35, 40 homers. Like, that's the ceiling for a guy like this. It's similar to Tyler O'Neill, where that was the hope. He's probably going to hit 220-ish, get on base about 30% of the time, but he's going to hit the hell out of the ball. You might ruin that type of a swing if you bring him up too early, and I think next year would be too early. There's also this from the 515. BK, that's all fine and dandy, but there's no talk of the DH and the NL again next year. There is some talk of it. Rob Manfred was on with Rich Eisen yesterday, and he said that's something that they're still looking into. I'm going to be stunned. Stunned. If they don't have the DH in the National they can't League next go, Yeah, I mean, I thought that it really did improve the quality of the game this year. You know, usually the picture the pitcher as much as I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, usually it's the automatic out type thing. And I think that it added something to the game for sure. Um and, and back to the Gorman thing, this is where the this past season really hurt prospects because they didn't have that ability to have several minor league teams, several different levels, and incrementally move a guy up yep. from league to league as he performs. So, yeah, Nolan Gorman is not the only prospect. Every team across the league has somebody that 
did not benefit from this season. That's tough to come out of. He's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Nick Swisher is a World Series champion. You can watch him on the World Series watch party right now. I want to get his thoughts on Game 4, the ending that we saw earlier over the weekend. I want to get his thoughts on the Dodgers lineup and how significantly better it is than everybody else in baseball right now, what he thinks the Cardinals need to add, and... What's the impact of a hitting coach? Let's do all of that with Nick Swisher, FS1 baseball analyst, when he joins us coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Been waiting for this one all day. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Excited to be joined by FS1 baseball analyst Nick Swisher. You can catch him on the Fox World Series watch party. Also on Twitter at Nick Swisher. Nick, always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? Oh, baby, I'm doing amazing, my man. How you holding up? Uh, we are fantastic. So let's start with Saturday night because we saw your reaction to what was one of the wildest finishes any of us in this room have ever seen. Uh, what'd you make of it? What was what was your thoughts going through your head as you see the Rays win that game in just unbelievable fashion? I mean, baseball. You know, just like just what Brett Phillips said, baseball is fun, and 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 I think with everything that has happened to us this year, with the pandemic, uh, and the shutdowns, and lockdowns, and quarantine, like we need to smile and we need to laugh and we need to enjoy life again. And right now, I think sports are bringing us back to that mentality. I think people have something to look forward to now. Game six is tonight for us in the World Series, and and I think sports fans are really loving life right now. I think that it was such a crazy play because a Rose Arena comes flying around third he gets sniped out he falls down right next thing you know Muncy's got it he throws Smith a cutter he can't catch it you know what Kelly Jensen is it backing up next thing you know game over so I think when you get to the World Series what makes it great is that anything can happen I think tonight is kind of one of those things I know the Dodgers have a little bit of that momentum but don't count the Rays out man extremely resilient team all right, Swish Daddy, I want to talk about Randy and Rosarena here for a second, okay? You mentioned anything can happen, all right? And we're looking at a guy who was like a month in quarantine and was a Cardinals outfielder, and they traded him, and actually he was a throw-in kind of on the deal, and now he's rewriting the history books. Well, I think it's happened twice to y'all. Luke Voigt as well. He's actually coming up tonight. We're trying to forget that. (laughs) We don't have to talk about him. We don't have to talk about what's going on down in Atlanta with Marcelo Zuna. Let's just keep it to this one, all right? No, I totally understand you. But then again, like you didn't, you you didn't see that. Maybe there was something in the organization that you didn't quite see. And one man's trash is another man's treasure. So for him to show up in Tampa and to also, I think, just maybe the overall just change of scenery does people good. I mean, I think of you know a guy like David Ortiz who wasn't exactly great as a Minnesota Twin, but goes over to Boston and becomes this superstar. That's going to happen. You can't plan for that. But to see that kind of happen back to back uh, and back to back to back for the St. Louis Cardinals. Obviously, that's a, a tough pill to swallow, but to see the joy and the excitement and the love that a Rosarina is playing with right now for somebody that did the same thing when I played, I really appreciate that, man. Young kids want to see that. Fans want to see that. It brings juice to the game, some excitement, and overall emotion, and I think that's what sports is all about. Nick, what have you seen from him in particular that that has allowed him to have so much success in this postseason? Is there something with his swing? Is there something with the way that he plays that you're seeing that has propelled him to where he is right now? I, I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but the, the fact he's putting the ball in play. I think you know he's making solid contact. He's not a very big guy. You know, he, he's not Aaron Judge. 
And I think that's the problem with young young kids nowadays. You think you got to be six foot five, two hundred forty pounds to, to to hit home runs, and that's not the case. I mean, if you look at the radar gun, this entire World Series, you're going to see nothing but ninety fours through a hundred and twos. So right now, with the velocity jumping up, all we have to do as hitters, we got to get the barrel to the baseball because now in the launch era, the launch era angle, right? The launch angle era, I think it's a little different, right? I think that you know sometimes guys try to get the ball in the air. But I think it's hard enough hitting the baseball as is. If you can make contact with something coming in that fast, I promise you it will exit coming out faster. All right, Swish, you're talking about putting the ball in play, right? And here in St. Louis, obviously the offense was a little bit of a struggle this year. We just find out yesterday that Jeff Albert, hitting coach, is going to come back with his staff. You've been there, done that. How much of an impact can the hitting coach have on a team's overall success at the plate? Oh, huge. It's huge, absolutely. You know, I feel like you bring somebody in with knowledge, uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a name behind him, and some excitement. I mean, that's that's exactly where I would want to be. You know, I think guys just want to continually learn. And I think for myself, you know, I have aspirations to be a manager down the road at some point. I think for me, the one thing I'll tell my coaches is, hey, bring the energy, be positive, right? Be optimistic, be exciting, right? Like we deal with enough failure in this game. So when you bring over somebody like that. Uh, that not only has the name, but also uh, the guy's trust. Uh, as soon as you get that trust from the players, it's all about just keeping them on a routine. I think in general, you want to be a hitting coach, you might as well be a psychologist anyways. You know, say psychiatrist or whatever, because you're going to be solving problems all year long. So, yes, yeah, I think for them, St. Louis is such an amazing baseball town. You know, my father, Steve, had the chance to play there for a couple seasons. You know, played right there behind uh, Ted Simmons. And, and he used to tell me all the great stories. And for me, you know, that was the one of the ballparks, the only ballpark that I never got the opportunity to play in in my career was St. Louis. So, I mean, to be talking to you guys is awesome because, come on, the Cardinals, baby, that's baseball legacy. You know, that organization has been around for a long time. And, you know, for, for all the success they've had over the years, you've got to give them credit for that. Yeah, actually, look, I agree 100%. And I think that that's half the battle here is it's such an awesome baseball town that the, the, they expect the results every year. And so, uh, you know, we've had the, the, well, the blessing of having guys like Jim Edmonds around. And Jimmy's been on the show a number of times. And he talked about when he was young and coming into the league, how essential it was for him to have that, that hitting coach or the hitting coach that was the assistant just kind of regroup with him after every at-bat, just sit with him really quickly in the dugout not a big long long drawn out thing but just you know what were you seeing what were you looking at how did he come what was the delivery just little things like that and he said it really really helped him to have that hands-on guy who just just to tweak things from time to time oh yeah well i also think it's about getting to know your players right and i'd go up to each one of my guys and be like hey jim how do i get the best out of you how do i coach you the best because at the end of the day, your, your success as a manager boils down to how well your team plays or how, or how horribly they play. <laughs> so for me, to be able to try and find the best, you know, the way to get the best out of my players would be my first thing. I think one of, my, one of the skills that I have is, is overall communication. Right? Like, I love to talk. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Never so noticed. To able to, <laughs> so to be able to kind of learn from my guys and learn along the way, because, you know, regardless, I mean, the managers don't nearly get as much credit as they used to, for sure. It's more about, you know, just making sure you could keep everybody together, almost be that glue that kind of holds the team together. Because I, in my opinion, I think the best thing that a manager can do is stay away. Back away from the players, let them do their thing, let the players place the locker room, and let them take care of all of that. Because when you do that and you have somebody in the locker room like a Yachty Molina, you don't ever have to worry about that. She 
he'll, he never has to worry about a thing in that locker room because he knows Yachty or, Ray, or Wainwright or somebody like that will take care of the issue. So I think as long as you can have those leaders in the locker room and learn from your guys, I think that sets you up for the best success. We're talking to Nick Swisher, FS1 baseball analyst, World Series champion. You can check him out tonight on Fox's World Series watch party. Check that out on Twitter. You can follow him at Nick Swisher. You brought up two guys that we have certainly talked a lot about this offseason, Nick, and Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. They're both free agents this offseason. Wayno has said he wants to be back. Yadi has said he wants to be back, but he's looking for a two-year contract extension. If I gave you the Mo Bowtie and I put you in his shoes, you are now the general manager for the Cardinals. Are you bringing back Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright? I'm bringing back Yachty, 100%. No doubt, bro. <laughs> He's coming back, no doubt. I'll be like, hey, man, I'll give you three years. Because he is the spine of my He's the spine of my team. He is the leader of my team. Don't get me wrong. I know Wainwright is as well. But I think that, you know, when you're a pitcher and you're kind of getting later in your career, you know, obviously I think you need to keep – got to hold on as tight as you can because these young bucks coming up are all throwing 100 miles an hour and their skills are off the chart. The one thing that I am realizing through this World Series and as well as for myself being a special advisor with the Yankees, the one thing that I think we missed the boat on this year is having a solid, strong defensive catcher. I think you have to have that. It's hard to say that there are dual threat catchers in the game anymore, offensive and defensive players. I think JT Real Muto is one of those guys, and obviously he's a free agent this year. But I think if you want to have a player that really knows exactly how to get it done, because at the end of the day, if you don't have that, then I think you struggle because you have to have great pitching to win. Look what the Tampa Bay Rays are doing this year. Yeah, absolutely. And the last one I've got for you, Swish, is everybody here in St. Louis is talking about adding a bat to the lineup, adding a bat. Well, look, economic times aren't fantastic across the board, and the Cardinals aren't used to just throwing money all over the place. But if they were able to look at somebody to bring in to help them offensively, who do you think would be a good fit here in St. Louis? Wow. You know what? I mean, kind of the first player, and the only reason why I'm saying this, I think he's at the forefront of everybody's minds right now is Corey Seager. Right? I think he's an absolute tremendous ball player. I think he brings uh, that quiet, uh, quiet leader with him. He brings that blue-collar mentality, somebody that I think would fit amazing in St. Louis. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, you know, with that guy comes a lot of uh, top dollars. But I think just in general, look at the uh, the guys that we, that are available this offseason. I think the top pitcher coming out would be somebody like a Trevor Bauer. But I think at the end of the day, you have to make your decision as, as a staff and as a front office. What are we going for? Are we going to try and bring another arm in here? Or are we going to try and bring one of those power bats? Because either way, I think for the St. Louis Cardinals, you know they're going to post every year. That's the type of squad that's going to show up, and you know those guys are going to play. As long as they continue to keep playing great defense, they'll see themselves in the playoffs. So I think for them, whatever decision they make, pitching or hitting, I think there are great options for both. Nick, I wanted to ask you, because you, you were a player in this league. You played with a lot of superstars along with you. out. We've talked so much about whether or not St. Louis is still viewed as a destination because once upon a time it was Jim Edmonds could be traded here and he wanted to sign long term. Same thing for Mark McGuire. Same thing for Pools his entire time here. Other guys wanted to come play with him. Matt Holiday did the same thing. Carlos Beltran at the end of his career signed up here to win. Do you think players still view St. Louis as a destination where they want to come play here because of what the history was here? Or do you think that's maybe not quite having the same effect that it once was with the Dodgers and the Yankees and all of these other teams, the White Sox now, uh, once again, kind of getting to the forefront? 
Well, I think if you look at the legendary and iconic organizations in baseball, I think the St. Louis Cardinals are the top third of that, 100%. There's no doubt about it. You can't bleed baseball. You can't bleed that Cardinal red if you, know, if you can't have your baseball team there. So I think for them, it is a staple of the community. I think it is a staple of the city, and it means something to the fans in St. Louis. And I think that's where it all boils down to. Look at all those other amazing organizations you just said. The Dodgers, it means something to them. The New York Yankees, it means something to the Yankee fans. The Boston Red Sox, same thing as well. Now, do I think maybe a little bit has kind of, has kind of gone away from the destination of St. Louis? Maybe be a little bit, just from the lack of success in the past couple of years. But remember, this team just won a World Series back in 2011. So I think, you know, just from where they are, for me, that would be a place that I would want to go to in a heartbeat. I think it's an amazing ballpark. Uh, I think the overall community of St. Louis is fantastic. And, and I think any player that gets the opportunity to go to a place like St. Louis should be blessed and honored, for sure. Last question that I've got for you, Nick. Who do you think ultimately wins this series? Do you have the Dodgers closing things out tonight? Yeah, I, you know, at the beginning of the series, I got the Dodgers in six. But this has been like, kind of like a ping-pong match, right? I mean, like, you know, back and forth, back and forth. You know, I mean, you know, an error here, a pitching mistake here. I, I think for me, it's trying to figure out exactly, you know, what do you, th- what do, you do if you're Dave Roberts, right? Game six, you have the momentum, right? Do you, do you throw Walker Bueller? I know they're not. But do you throw Walker Bueller and Urias today and really kind of go for the jugular? Or do you really kind of sit back and they're going to throw Gonsolin today, who didn't pitch well in game two? So I definitely think the Rays are right there. I think the Dodgers are kind of that team that plays better when their backs are up against the wall. So as much as I would like to say I think the Dodgers are going to win game six, and I, I don't, I think that they, they're kind of lax. I think that they're just like, hey, man, you know, we can win this tonight, but if we lose, it's no big deal. I think they play way better. They're in a must-win situation. Look at the series they had against the Braves, down 3-1. Look at the series they're in now. Every chance that they have to kind of like close out the series, they haven't quite gotten that done. So I think that right now it's where the Rays are. They're going for it. Blake Snell pitched tremendously his last start. So I think the Rays have the advantage tonight. I think the Rays win tonight maybe like something like 6-4 to four or 5-4. to four, But I think the Dodgers definitely pull it off. I think the Dodgers win this thing. Certain times of charm, baby. Since 1988, they deserve it, bro. They deserve it. <laughs> All right, one last quick thing for you here, Nick. I just want to make sure that moving forward, next time we have you on, which would be great, but we're going to go with Swish Daddy from now on. Is that cool? <laughs> That sounds good, baby. I'm down for that, brother. I like that. All right, good. He's Nick Swisher. You can check him out tonight on the World Series watch party. He's working as a baseball analyst for FS1. He's a World Series champion, one of the best in the business. Nick, really do appreciate the time, man. Let's do this again. Let's talk with you again soon, if you don't mind. Oh, man, I would love that. I love y'all's energy, man. I really, really appreciate that. Bring some fire to the air, boys. I love it. Love it. That is Nick Swisher joining us here on 101 ESPN. Always appreciate his time joining us here on the show. Man, I... I thought there were two things in particular that he said that really stood out to me. One was about Yadier Molina. The other was about the player that he thinks he would bring in to help this Cardinals offense. We'll talk about both of those on the other side on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. So Nick Swisher just joined us moments ago. If you missed it, 101ESPN.com or the 101 ESPN app. Download that for your phone. You can check it out after the show. It'll be posted up right there. I, I thought there were two main takeaways for me. Jamie, you asked him a question about, hey, if the Cardinals needed to go out there this offseason, and they do, and improve their offense, who would you go target? And he brought up a name that I've been kind of pushing for, right? 
He said, the guy that I would go after is Corey Seager. You're watching it right now in the postseason. He's been unbelievable. And I don't think Corey Seager is going to be available this offseason. I could be wrong here. I hope that I'm wrong here. But I don't think they're going to. the Dodgers will trade him this offseason. But that's the guy next year. After next season, he'll be a free agent. He plays shortstop. He's pretty good defensively. He's very good at the plate. He's going to get a huge, huge contract. Like the stuff that we're seeing right now from uh, from Mookie Betts, those that's the kind of deal that you're probably looking at for a guy like Corey Seager because he plays a premium position. He's very young already, and he's shown an ability to hit yeah, he's not too bad at the plate. So, and he's done it at a high level in the postseason now, where he's probably going to win World Series MVP. I would think that's a guy that I would target. The other thing that he brought up that I thought was really interesting. He is a special advisor for the Yankees. And we asked him, would you bring back Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright? And he was like, Yadier Molina, absolutely. Didn't even like let me finish the question. It's like, that's the guy that you absolutely have to bring back. He's the backbone of your team. He also then added, there was one thing that we missed this year talking about the Yankees. One thing that we missed was a strong defensive catcher. Who is the team, Jamie, oh. that we've heard connected most often to Yadier Molina? Yeah, the Yankees. We talked about it. We said, imagine the Yankees. I could see them coming after Yachty. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 That sure sounds like a guy who, I don't know how much he's involved in the front office stuff. Maybe hardly at all. But he probably knows what the strengths and the weaknesses were of the Yankees this year. He watches them very close and has at least a tangential relationship with the team. He's at least on some of the emails. Absolutely. If he's saying, hey, their problem this year was defensive catcher. Well, there's one that is apparently going to be available this offseason. And the Yankees are potentially that away from winning a World Series. That player. That is their missing piece the way that the Cardinals missing piece might be a bat or two. If they wanted to go out and add the best one, it's right here in St. Louis. It's Yadier Molina. He's the guy. And so if Yadier's asking, I hate you asking, for even saying this right now, BK. If Yadier's asking for a two-year Hopefully deal, he's BKOing himself, and Ugh. that's really important to Yadier. And the Cardinals are saying, "Listen, we want you back. We want you back. We want you back." But we're going to give you a one-year deal. And the Yankees are out there offering them the two. Well, that could be problematic. That could be really problematic. Yeah, it could be. I hate the the thought of it, but. You're right. If the Cardinals pump the brakes and they do what they should do, which is offer Yachty a one-year deal and be very careful with it, right? Like textbook-wise, you're looking at that going, okay, that's probably the best move. But then old Swish Daddy here, Nick Swisher, is talking about, heck, I'd give him three years. Now, I know he's not a GM. There's no doubt. He's not a GM. But if that's the thought from a successful baseball player who's in the baseball world at various levels – that Yachty is that valuable, then a two-year deal doesn't sound crazy. And who has that kind of money? Well, the New York Yankees. So if 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 John Mosaylock and the Cardinals want to keep Yachty here, I don't want to say with a low ball because I don't think they'll disrespect him like that. But at a level that you know maybe Yachty's not thinking is high enough, I guarantee the Yankees aren't afraid to write that check. Especially if it's what they think is their missing link. Yeah, uh, 100%. If they believe that the missing piece for them, the piece that will put them over the top to win them a World Series in that town for that team is Yadier Molina at the end of his career, yeah, they'll give him the extra year if that's what it takes. And worst case scenario for them, if they feel like in year two it's not working out well and he he isn't quite what they wanted, 
Well, then they'll pay him off and they'll let him ride off into the sunset. That's the thing. They don't have any problem with writing that check and being, hey, man, thanks for your service. Love you. Here's your money. The other thing is that if Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright are indeed a package deal, if they want to play together next year, well, we all know that the Yankees can always use a little extra pitching. And so I would not be at all surprised if they asked Yachty, hey, what do we need to do to get this done? And he says, I need a two-year deal, and you've got to sign Adam Wainwright. Would not surprise me at all if the Yankees said, okay, we can do both of those things. Are you ready? Sign on that dotted line right there. And Wayno, guess what? You can do ESPN spots throughout the entire season. MLB Network's right there. MLB Network's right across the river. Um, And another one, uh, text line here, Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. If Yachty plays for the Yankees, wouldn't that increase his Hall of Fame chances? That's interesting. Higher visibility. Absolutely. And there's a a ton of riders that are located Uh in New York. And those guys getting to watch him every day would 100% increase his odds. And just hearing why the Yankees signed him. Well, we signed him because of this, this, this whole man. And they're doing it at the end of his career. If they value him that way at the end of his career, well, first of all, it tells you that the Cardinals should value him as well. Because their entire identity is defense and pitching and run. If this guy is viewed by the Yankees as something that allows all of that to happen, well, maybe you should view him that way as well. Yeah, but sometimes you don't truly know what you have until it's gone, right? Or you don't truly appreciate what you have because you've just had it around, right? And then it's gone and you go, oh, man, somebody else thinks this was really, really good. And it is really good. And I miss it tremendously. The important part for all of this, too, is the Cardinals not allowing Yachty to get to free agency because as much as he wants to be a Cardinal and he said he wants to finish his career here, even if you get to free agency and the Cardinals are willing to give him that two-year deal for the money he feels he deserves, if another team comes calling like the Yankees that has what they need to win a World Series, and if you're Yachty, what's you want to finish the legacy or do you want to roll out your career with a couple more championships, which by the way, a lot of stuff, the hall of fame is very important to him when it comes to those gold gloves. We saw that on Instagram. Imagine the Yankees come calling and say, Hey, we'll give you two year deal. Cardinals. We'll give you two year deal. Which one's got better world series contention in it. Six, five, seven, eight. Oh, is the air comfort service text line from the three, one, four. You guys are nuts. If you think that Wayno and Yachty would go to New York. I I don't think it's nuts at all. No, I I don't think it's nuts either. And I, especially with Wayno wanting to be television too. Yeah. I, I, I would love for me to believe that, but Derek Gould has reported that both of them have talked exclusively with one another about playing elsewhere. Potentially, Adam Wainwright was on with Danny Mack earlier today. You can check out that podcast, Scoops with Danny Mack. He said, yeah, we've talked about it. We've talked about whether or not we could be back here or playing together elsewhere. He wants to play with Yachty next year. Yadier Molina has said, I want a two-year deal, whether that be here or elsewhere. We have to at least be open to the possibility that Yadier Molina could go elsewhere because the Cardinals, I can assure you, are open to that possibility. To your point, Ferrario, of not letting him hit free agency, He's going to hit free agency because unless they offer him more than $16 million per year, he hits free agency because there's a rule of the 20% where he would have to take less than a 20% cut from his previous salary, which was $20 million. He would have to take less than a $4 million cut from that in order to be able to resign. It's not going to happen. They're not going to sign him to a two-year $35 million deal. It's it's already an uphill battle then in my eyes for the Cardinals because I think World Series contention is just as much as important to Yachty as it is being given the money he feels he deserves. From the 314, and I can appreciate this text, shut your dirty mouths. I'm getting car sick from this topic. 
That being said, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything they just said. Yeah, I, I would hate the it. Dirty None of us want to see this. None of us do. We're all rooting for both of these guys to be back in St. Louis. I just think when you hear that from Nick Swisher, it, it kind of it sounds some alarms for me of, oh, my God, this is real. This is very real. And I hope that it doesn't come to fruition with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll cross things over with the fast lane next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie, I've got another job for you. Oh, baby. You know, I love finding these jobs that are posted elsewhere and yeah, saying, and would just, you do this? I just need more jobs. So let's go. <laughs> so Prince William and Kate Middleton are looking to hire a new housekeeper mm. at their residence. Okay. What would you guess? And we're going to bring in Chris Ranji on this, crossing things over with the fast lane here on 101 Speaking ESPN. Speaking of royalty. hey What would you assume <laughs> is the starting salary for the new housekeeper for Prince William and Kate Middleton. Okay, so th- I guess a full job description would be in order. Like, am I the person that at so the here's end of says. the day cleans up, or am I literally walking behind them and their little yeah. booger nose kids and cleaning up the you whole clean day? clean the toilet after they go. So the candidate should be able to manage a varied workload and work flexibly. Perhaps most importantly, the job listing gl- declares that maintaining confidentiality and exercising discretion at all times is paramount. So is that? I can't tell them that Prince William had a big dump and I had to clean the toilet? Correct. Okay. So what would you guess, if you're the housekeeper for them, for Prince William and Kate Middleton at their residence, what would you guess the starting salary would be? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think that it's probably pretty good, although I feel like I could get punched in the nose with how bad it is. I'm going to say it's 200000 Okay. Okay, well, real quick, is this in British Pounds? Oh, good question. It's in dollars. It's in U.S. American dollars. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I bet it's $150,000. Would you be surprised to learn, Ferrario, any guesses? No, I'm not involved with this. I would say. You can't go one dollar. Two fifty. Would you be surprised? Okay. Okay. It is $25,000. Damn. I knew it. it. I knew it. I said said it's going to be one of those punchy in the nose ones. It was the same as the Amazon thing. I am not cleaning that dude's dump for 25 grand. But, but Jamie, you get to live there. You get to live there for free. You don't have to pay rent. You don't have to pay for bills. You probably get a cell phone that you, you can't use ever because you can't get a cell it's phone a you because you can't phone, uh, you can't call anybody to tell them about the dumps. You, but yeah. they they give you one twenty five thousand dollars. Are they phone. kidding? With no camera? No, you get a rotary phone on the wall. With That's no your camera. phone. Who in the world is applying for this job? I wouldn't even take that job. And you guys know I'll take any job. Well, you're ready to travel the world for ten grand to drink yeah. beer. Here's the real question: Can you be considered royalty if you work for royalty? No. No. Well. Then no. I'm not in. You're the help. You You're get to help. live in the palace, and you get twenty five thousand dollars. Palace is for right. sale. This right isn't now. Beauty and the Beast, Ron. Did you see that? Oh, it's Raj? a nice palace. What? <laughs> Buckingham Palace is for sale. Well, how much? Twenty five thousand. No. <laughs> well played. I I have to pull it up, but I saw it that they actually are having it up there for sale. This is another one. This is the Kensington Palace. Oh, it's a different one. Ooh. Totally different. Totally oh, different. I was way off, Ron. It, it is in London, so you are you are in London. You are helping with royalty. Does the However, toilet go the other way in London? 
Okay, no, that's down <laughs> yes. south of the east. I think that's down, down under. Under. You're darn right it is, Ronch. Okay. <laughs> Ronch, what's coming up today on the Fast Lane, my I man? I don't know. Just getting away you, from Jamie and his nonsense. That's pretty much it. That's not, you, know, you the, don't mean that, hey, I, don't, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the Bears are trash. Oh, yeah, oh, we, we didn't talk that. about that five and one, five and two team, worst five and two team in history. So, uh, Deshaun Watson. I'm sure these guys are going to give me hell about that for a while. No. And then we'll I... talk about whatever the Cardinals are doing. World Series, game six is tonight, so we'll get into that. Uh, there, there's a lot happening. Some of it good. Some of it actually good. I was Not the Bears. I listened to some Chicago Sports Talk Radio this morning, Ronch. Yeah. Um, because I was hoping that I could get some content for our show. I got to be honest. I was a little disappointed with the, uh, with the callers. They, they weren't quite as frustrated as I would have hoped. Because they knew. Everybody up there knew what this team was. And I, I've been, I said it last night. I, I think this, uh, it's very possible they win one game between now and December. Their schedule is brutal crazy. coming up. Yeah, and, and I guess it's also possible they win zero games until December. But uh, I think there's a strong, strong chance they end up maybe winning that game against Minnesota, and mm-hmm. that's it. Because they got the Titans coming up. they got New Orleans coming up. Uh, Green Bay. They're not going to beat any of those teams. Yeah, not we, good enough. We said today we don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. They're 5-2, and two and we don't think they're making the playoffs this well, year coming out of the NFC. just be... <laughs> It would be kind of hysterical. I think know? it's going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen. Yeah. Look at that yeah. NFC West, man. I, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to make it over those teams. You look at them, no. you look at the Saints and the NFC South, I, I don't know how they're getting in. Meanwhile, you got your, you got your freaking team with their quarterback who doesn't even play very well uh, last game, and they still put up 43. It's, it's just it's an embarrassment of riches, and it makes me sick. Ron, <laughs> when, when your quarterback, who won the MVP la- two years ago and won the MVP of the Super Bowl last year, is the problem with what's going on with your organization right now, it, mm-hmm. things are in a good place in Kansas yeah. City. Okay, are you, are you done? I am. Okay. Uh, for Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll be back tomorrow at 11. If you missed anything, check it out, 101ESPN.com. Really enjoyed Nick Swisher today. Uh, the Fast Lane is coming up next on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 smart bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. It's our ultimate Sleep Number event. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed plus special financing only for a limited time. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. When you need auto parts, O'ReillyAuto.com is just a few clicks away. We offer convenient options for you to get your parts quickly. Order online and pick up for free at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. We'll even bring it out curbside. Or you can have your parts delivered right to your door with free shipping on most orders over $35. Visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.